Hey, it's me, Joel McHale. Watch or listen, do both, for Zach and Steven for You Can't Disappoint a Podcast. It is the greatest podcast next to the darkest timeline. If you don't tune in, Zach will die. That's called the winger endorsement. Hi, before we get started with the episode, we just wanted to point you in the direction of the social accounts we've set up for the show to help you guys engage with us and communicate and get involved with our show. You can email us at can'tdisappointpodcast at gmail.com. Emailing us will really be the best way to talk to us directly and conversate with us on air during the show. Also, be sure to like You Can't Disappoint a Podcast on Facebook. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Can't Disappoint Podcast and Twitter at You Can't Disappod. That's Disappod like Disappoint. So there's one S and two P's. Well, thanks for tuning in and let's kick off the episode. Here we go. <laughs> like being repressed i am totally comfortable being uncomfortable with my sexuality and maybe just maybe if everyone were a little bit more like me we wouldn't have to have an std fair you go girl (laughs) by the way now that i've gotten a good look at one i don't see what all the fuss was about giant thumb and a turtleneck whoop-dee-doo Diction is done with the tip of the tongue and the teeth. Diction is done with the tip of the tongue and the teeth. Cinnamon buns. Cinnamon buns. Cinnamon <laughs> what? Buns. How is that a vocal warm-up? It's uh, what Freddie Benson always did when he was testing the mics on iCarly. I clearly have not watched as much iCarly as you. Hi, I everyone. promise you, you haven't. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to You Can't Disappoint a Podcast, episode 11. Hey, everybody. Welcome. I'm Jeanette McCurdy superfan, Steven. And I'm Zach. I must confess, I'm the one who's been stealing the toilet seats from the bathrooms. Oh, I knew it. And welcome to the show. How are you doing, Steven? I'm good. I'm excited for today for a couple reasons. Yeah, it's yeah. a big show today. You star, what's your week been like? You got any any big exciting news? Um, you know, people in Chicago are are behaving moderately when it comes to their public health and safety, so everyone wear your masks. I'm sure it's got to be better there than it is here. It seems like the big cities are really doing it right, but there's yeah, so many closer. people that it's a lot harder to, I don't know, control. Whereas yeah, here, I think we're kind of reverting a little bit here back to yeah. whatever the last stage we were in. Well, here in Nowheresville, Indiana, you know, where there's more space between people and we could really have this thing nailed down if everyone wore a mask, Uh, No one wants to. (laughs) We were talking last week about the governor mandate, and he's already like, well, I'm not really going to enforce it or, like, punish anyone, so do what you want, I guess. Yeah, I I heard that they're not really planning on enforcing it, but it's a rule. Yeah, and I feel like this is a flawless segue into how everyone should follow and support communities on Twitter. C-O-M-M-U-N-I-E-S-S. We wouldn't have a lot of the audience we have without them so thanks for being you and if you're not on board follow them they have all kinds of great content that you're missing out on yeah it's really kind of the the portal into the online communities community so i'm so trying zach to how's your week been Any, anything exciting been yeah going i'm on? trying to think if there's anything i have to update the listeners with hmm hmm um i had some soup today no Oh, I nice. got to talk to Joel McHale this week. Oh, who's that? <laughs> I was 
so lucky to be able to jump on an opportunity to have a conversation with Joel McHale. You heard a little blurb of his voice at the beginning of our episode. It was awesome. It was a part of the Darkest Timeline live event that they had with Joel and Ken and Allison Bree. And afterwards, as a part of a VIP thing, I got to speak with him. And it was incredible. I don't know. I, I wanted to take advantage of it as an opportunity to get him to lend his voice to the show. And he was more than willing to do that. And I was only guaranteed two minutes of his time. And he was very... Uh, considerate of his time and he talked to me for a full seven minutes which was great yeah, that's so freaking awesome and he was yeah. so nice and he was exactly you know, what you'd expect him to be yeah he was so cool uh obviously going into something like this i don't know we've talked about on the show like man what if we ever got to talk to joel McHale? and now <laughs> just 11 weeks into it we've kind of got him you're about to hear that full conversation i had with him to set up just a little bit you know, obviously going in, I had a lot of nerves talking to him, and there were so many things that I would have liked to have said or asked that I didn't quite have the opportunity to. What instead happened was a really casual conversation where we just kind of talked like acquaintances, and he was really down to earth, and when I started talking about the podcast, he was so willing to speak thoughtfully about community and the fandom, and yeah. Uh, it was kind of late at night, so I was a little tired. I had to... Waiting for it was really awkward. You're just waiting in line for, like, your number to get called, like you're in the DMV. And then right before it's your turn, you get, like, a blank FaceTime where you're just, like, watching yourself and just, like, waiting for Joel to pop up while it's he's doing the call. It's just you and your own he, yeah. thoughts and fears. So, so it's just like, oh, man, it's going to happen any second, and he, he's going to see me look all existential. <laughs> uh, he was so casual. He was, like, strolling through his house and outside a little bit, I think, while we were talking. Yeah. To set up what you're about to hear, uh, yeah, I think I'm just going to play it. Uh, another thing, if you don't ever check us out on YouTube, if you check out this episode on YouTube, you'll also get to see the full video of our conversation. Woo-woo. So I think, yeah, I think we should play it. You ready? Yeah, here we go. Hit, hit the big play button. What's up, Zach? Hello. How are you? I'm well. Do you like how I'm in a scary, like, uh, staircase right now? Yeah. What's going on? Are you being chased by a serial killer or something? Well, I don't know if they're a serial killer, but they're definitely some sort of killer. Yeah. Where are you? Are you having, I am in Indiana. All right. What part? In my apartment. Uh, Anderson, Indiana. It's about 45 minutes from Indianapolis. You ever get into Indianapolis? I mean, not lately, but, yeah. but I like to. I'd say, yeah. I mean, yeah. You, what are you, now, are you sheltering in place, Zach? I still have to work, so not 100%, but I am... Uh, I am trying to stay home as much as I can. Nice. I love that on the podcast that you said uh, real Americans are wearing their masks. A lot of people around here aren't saying that. So it was great to hear you say that. Uh, I don't, it doesn't make any sense to me that people wouldn't do that. And uh, I literally, I was like, what the, what's the problem? Why why are you, I don't, yeah. Well, and, and I talked to this researcher who was like, Oh, um, if you if everyone were just wear masks, it would knock the virus down by like thirty percent the next day. And we but when be people don't believe a thing of that, I don't know. When people just don't care and politicize it, it's crazy. I I don't. Oops, I don't. I don't <laughs> understand the. It just doesn't make it. Yeah. Well, thank you for doing your part and wearing a mask. Well, thanks. 
Hey, uh, my friend Steven and I co-host a community podcast called You Can't Disappoint oh. a Podcast. And I would love to use this little bit of audio that I go with you on our podcast, if that's okay. If it's okay, I'd like to go ahead. What? No, are people tuning into the podcast? Yeah. I mean, having a little blurb with you will definitely legitimize it, especially. What's the name of it again? It's called You Can't Disappoint a Podcast. Like you can't disappoint a picture. Yeah, I'm ready. Right. Here goes. Hey, it's me, Joel McHale. Watch or listen do both for Zach and what's your partner's name? Steven is his name. Steven for You Can't Disappoint a Podcast. It is the greatest podcast next to the darkest <laughs> timeline. Uh, but tune in because uh, um, if you tune in, then um, Zach, if you don't tune in, Zach will die. And I will. You want, you I want thrive on attention. That's called the winger endorsement. That's awesome. Thank you, Joel. Yeah. No. I hope you're having fun talking to everybody. Thank you so much for doing this. It's oh, so wow. great to feel just a little bit closer, you know, to a show that I love so much. Uh, it's awesome. Uh, well, believe me, I never thought that uh, I never thought that people would be like everything changed. So yeah, um, it's really bananas. How oh, I almost fell. <laughs> uh, but uh, it really. Yeah, it's all, it's gotten this new life, and I'm, I've never been, I couldn't be happier. Do you think if the show had been out of the gate successful that it would change? Do you think that it would have been a different show if it had been mainstream successful from day one and hadn't been this, like, rabid cult following thing? That's a good question. I don't, it's hard to say because, you know, Dan Harmon would have never changed the show for anything. Right. He would have, the show would be, I think the show would have always been the show. And, you know, we were on a, in a terrible time slot. I mean, we, we were on TV, so that was really helpful. Um, but, uh, you know, it's one of those things where it was like, I, it's hard to say. I don't, the show wouldn't have changed. But, you know, there are all sorts of, like, Monty Python was super weird and wonderful and was right. the biggest hit on the planet. And... And then there's shows that are super popular for the time and then no one talks about them. So I would rather have this scenario than that. Yeah, it feels like shows like Arrested Development and like Firefly tend to live on forever. Where like no one's really asking for a Big Bang Theory movie a couple of years after it ended, you know? Yeah, well, it is the biggest comedy of all time. Uh, No, but like you look at, you're right, that Firefly, 13 episodes and a movie. And it's... Nathan Fillion, man, he is a force of nature. So, uh, and also the nicest Canadian on the planet. Just saying a lot. That's uh, a huge competition for that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I would much rather have this this reality than, yeah, nobody remembers a, nobody remembers that show. <laughs> and, and I think the test of time shows that the show was high quality, and I knew the show was good when we were making it. And I would be the first person to tell you I was on a bad show. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of see it as like, yeah, it, it, fi- it, there is some sort of like satisfaction. I'm like, finally, people get it. Uh, so, uh, and you know, like Dan Harmon gave me the job of a lifetime. So I can't thank him enough. It's so great that you're such a champion of the show that really shows that you do feel that way about how you talk about it. Yeah. I don't get when people take a dump on the things they've done. And if they didn't like what they did, but it's still, I get, I get, I maybe they're less vocal, but I was like, it was a great show, and I will always defend it to the to the death. 
It's worth it. We all love it. Uh, and it shows you all do too. We did. And see, you're the nicest man. This is why you have a podcast. Well, thanks. Hey, any update on the great out, uh, the great indoors movie? Is that coming up? Oh yeah, great indoors movie is almost. We almost shot it. It's almost all done. <laughs> so you're gonna love it. It's very. You and Chris stuff. talk about it while you're playing video games together. Yes, we tell a lot of jokes about it. There's a show that should have kept going, but uh, I watched it. I can honestly say I watched it. Bless you, bless you. It was totally different, but uh, Chris Minsplast and I will be playing video games in an hour and 24 minutes. That's awesome. Well, yeah. thank you for doing all these. I'm sure it's tiring to have oh, this long man. line of people. Uh, but let's take a photo. Yes, please. Okay, let's do it. You, you, I guess you have to do it, right? Can you do it? Yeah, I'm ready. Are you ready? I'll just, I'm just a smile and fo- oh, I press on a mistake. Nice. <laughs> nice. Well, thanks, man. It's uh, well, awesome to, to talk back, to you. And I'll come on your podcast sometime. Hey, yeah, we'll try to pencil you in if we have the opening. Uh, I can't promise anything, but we'll try. Well, please make room. <laughs> please. All right, good to talk to you. Thank you, Joel. Have a great night. All right, man. See ya. Great to talk to you. See ya. Bye. Bye. So I have a funny story about that. Um, I, like, took a little, rec- uh, little bit of a recording of a clip of it. Um, cause I was super excited and I showed a couple people and someone I work with legitimately looked at it and went, wow, is that Ryan Seacrest? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I know. I was in tears laughing so hard. And that's it. That was my conversation with Joel McHale, star of Community. The whole reason we're doing this show. What a big bucket list cross off. And he just said it. You all just heard it. He said he is going to come do our show. He's it's on recording now. I feel like legally he's essentially contractually obligated. Obviously, he's being friendly and personable. He was great. He called us by name, but he did say he'd do the show. So I'm definitely putting that on the back burner. And when I feel a little bit more prepared to actually ask someone like that to come have an hour long conversation with us, you better believe I'm going to pull that out. Well, yeah, you know, your word is your bond, and you're nothing without that, so just keep that in mind, Joel. So, yeah, what a cool experience. It feels like now our show is legitimate, kind of, you know? We have literally the winger seal of approval, which is awesome. (laughs) We, We do. But moving on, that was obviously the part that I am so excited about and still starstruck from, but we've got a whole show to do. We're here to talk about Season 1, Episode 11, The Politics of Human Sexuality. Whoop, whoop. Let's get into it. Yeah, it was directed by Anthony Russo. It was written by Hilary Winston, who previously wrote Football, Feminism, and You. And later this season, she writes Beginner Pottery and Pascal's Triangle Revisited. And then next season, she writes The Psychology of Letting Go, Celebrity Pharmacology, and For a Few Paintballs More. It originally aired on December 3rd, 2009. And yeah, so they took a little break. You know, they did like an episode after Halloween, a couple, I think last time it was closer to Thanksgiving time. Mm-hmm. So I think they took a week or two off for Thanksgiving and now we're back at it. The one who wrote this episode, she's got a pretty solid catalog under her belt. Absolutely. Another writer from the first couple seasons of Community actually appears in this episode. And the brother of this female writer is a recurring character on the show who also makes his first appearance in this episode. Ah! But we'll get all into that in a second. Before we dig real deep into it, let's do trivia. Trivia! What do you think, Steve? Should we start with our trivia questions for each other or break into the listener questions? Let's do our questions then the listener questions in case there are any overlaps. What do you want to do when you catch a big fish, as according to Pierce? Oh, you just want to stuff it and 
hanging on your mounted on your mantle, right? Yeah, the wording was just about there. Yeah, stuff her and put her on the mantle. Put her on the mantle. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> what you got? Why is it impossible for Troy to guard Abed? Oh, because his eyes are so. I know mysterious is one of the words. And is the other adjective kind? I think it was gentle. Yeah, you're right. Gentle and mysterious. Yeah, you got one of them. What album did Annie and her gay ex-boyfriend do the deed to? Ooh, that would be Madonna's Erotica. (laughs) Yes. And we'll do more to that later. There's a funny real-life Alison Brie anecdote to go alongside that story. Ooh. Uh, All right, here we go. I got got a, a, a toughie but a goodie. Name four contacts in Jeff Winger's phone. Okay. I think I can do this. Okay. Um, there's, and I know you don't know every single one of them, so you'll probably just believe whatever I say. <laughs> there's like, uh, there's one that's about an REM concert, but I forget mm-hmm. what the other half of it is. There's one like a cab driver or like cab driver from airport was one of them. There was like red shirt something. Oh man. Obviously, okay, so I'll go with some easy ones. There's Mommy. Um, yeah. There's Hot Blonde Spanish Class. Mm-hmm. And I'll even throw in Crazy Old Guy for a good measure. Oh, that was Pierce's in there, yeah. right? As far as we I know, that could also be a sexual exploit that he's right? misproperly labeled. <laughs> <laughs> the ones that they said, at least, that I watched, mm. um, they might have added another one in on the direct on the commentary one, but... They it was car wash redhead, mm. tube top REM concert, tube top yeah. number six, yep, mommy and hot blonde Spanish class. There are a few more that you can see if you like look at his phone when he pulls it up throughout the episode. Oh. They show some others. Okay, what does Abed's hat say when he's arm wrestling Troy? He puts on a hat that's on backwards. Oh, but it's backwards. What does it say? I have no idea actually. Uh, it, says it, say, S- dude? it says STD fence. <laughs> STD fence. I wear that hat. I like it. Yeah. Well, I've seen online that they sell the Greendale STD Fair t-shirts, and I might need to get one. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Okay. Okay. You have I've got an Abed-related question as well. What does Abed ask if he needs before he can arm wrestle? Oh, it, I, it, they're referencing a Sylvester Stallone movie mm-hmm. called... I don't, I don't know the movie. They mentioned what it was called. And Over I, I didn't top. pick up on it. Is it like a truck driver? Is that one of the things? Does that have something to do with a truck driver? It has something to do with a truck. I don't know. it. What was it? It was a semi-truck and a 10-year-old son. Okay. Yeah. I haven't seen the movie they're referencing. Over the Top is what it's called, I believe. And yeah. And I haven't seen it, so that kind of went over my head. My last question, what does Pierce text Jeff while he's making out in his Lexus? Um, I think it's wingman what base or something like that yeah, it's what base wingman what base wingman let's not oh. waste any time our newest and one of my most excited about segments the fan questions a couple of people have sent us in some trivia questions from this episode without the answer to try and stump us we've got quite All a right, few let's so let's see just what they got rapid fire like work on this together so you see what we can come up with mm-hmm First, we've got, can you guys rank the contests of Troy and Abed, or how about list in order? Ooh. See, I almost thought about making this a question. Um, Now, the first one... They toss the paper in the trash can. Yeah. Then is it basketball? Um, Because Troy says, no, we're playing basketball for real. 
Yeah, and then, then they give to the fair, and it's whatever Abed wins that big prize at, right? Yeah, but we didn't quite see one of the carnival games. Mm-hmm. Then they um, arm wrestle. Arm wrestle, and then in the end, it's the race that leads to Abed, you know, running to make the announcement. Yeah. That's five I can think of. If there are any more, they have escaped me. There might be one that's referenced. I'm not sure. As far as ranking them, I don't know that I can rank them all, but probably my favorite was the arm wrestling or the mental picture of whatever led to Abed getting that huge teddy bear. Yeah, my I, I say my favorite was either the arm wrestling or the basketball game that I'm sure was hilarious. Yeah, I wish we could have seen a little bit more of that. <laughs> uh, which extra slash guest cast member is a writer for the show? This is something that I alluded to, and I didn't know oh, this question. Oh, is it the... It's the um, counselor, right? It's the counselor. And how is that person related to someone else in the episode? This is literally what she's... I had started to bring up. Oh, yeah. She's married to the, the officer, right? Mm, they're brother and sister. Brother and sister. <laughs> uh, you know, same last name. But hey, we don't judge. Love is love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Liz and Craig Kakowski. And the officer's name is Officer Kakowski, even. So he's just named after their, their real name. Nice. A lot, of, a lot of work put in there. This one... I'm not sure on. The next question is, what background event begots another background event in season two? Oh, I have no yeah, idea. You know, honestly, doing this podcast, I've seen the six seasons of Community three times over each at least. And I know the show pretty well. There are episodes I've seen dozens of times. But m- the main reason for starting the show was, oh, I love that show and could talk a lot about it. And I haven't seen it in a while. Yeah. So I, I do remember. not know. These questions that we're doing right now were from communities, so school us. Let us know. Yeah, I'm curious. They also asked, this is just kind of a a question, an opinion question. They said, is this the best Jeff Pierce dynamic of season one? So far, absolutely. You know... Unless you count the um, very first project they do together. Yeah, I think the Spanish project from episode two is still my favorite. The moment that Jeff and Pierce have in this episode that's a little bit more down-to-earth and real with each other is a nice emotional moment, but there are quite a few things about Jeff and Pierce in this episode that make me roll my eyes more than laugh. Mm-hmm. So, no, I don't think it's exactly my favorite, but I can see why it is someone's favorite. Yeah, I think that overall I like the first time they're together better, but I think that Jeff definitely has grown some. Kind of. Like, I think I like Jeff a little better this At episode this than I like him in that first one. We'll dig into this more. I don't really care for Jeff in this episode other than when he finally learns the lesson at the end. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, community say thanks, guys, and catch knowledge. Catch knowledge to you two. Hey, We've got catch even more fan trivia questions. This is from Danny. She says, here's two questions for next week's episode. What's the poster on the window behind Annie, Britta, and Shirley when they get caught trying to break into the dean's office? Is it the racism one? Oh, shit. Or is that in the study group room? Because there's racism does not compute, and they talked about it on the commentary this week, but I don't know if that was in the dean's office or if it was in the actual study group room. I have no idea. That's a toughie. Yeah. We'll have to look. Yeah. What's the contact name below Britta in Jeff's phone after he changed it to Britta? So very at the end when he changed the name to Britta. I actually know this one. It was the uh, it was like cab like airport cab driver. Ah, okay, that's why I didn't know that one. Yeah, uh, Danny says so great hearing you guys each week and thanks. So thanks you that's guys. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you. 
I hope you guys like this segment because I think it's a cool thing to do and it keeps us on our toes a little bit. Next week, we're talking one of my favorite episodes of the entire series, Comparative Religion. So please send us in some answerless trivia questions for that one. There's so much in that one. You can email them to us at can'tdisappointpodcast at gmail.com or you can message us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you can get a hold of us. Send them in. Yeah, guys. Thanks for sending in your questions. I think we're to the point. Are you ready to break into this this here episode? Yeah, let's dive in. You know, before just starting it from the beginning, what were your overall thoughts? I thought it was really funny. I in this like string of really strong episodes, this one is not necessarily the the best, but I think it's yeah. still one that that is always worth watching and that gets some good laughs. It has some classic kind of quotable lines in it, definitely. I think it's a little bit of a middle-of-the-run episode. I mm-hmm. think a lot of the sex jokes and talk are pretty, I don't know, kind of like how you felt about the pee-pee-poo-poo jokes a couple weeks ago. Yeah. a lot. It's pretty base level when they could have gone a little bit deeper with it, I think. Um, Absolutely. There are things I really like about it. I think the character of Doreen, played by Sharon Lawrence, is a great addition to this episode, probably one of the highlights. Mm-hmm. Uh, we kind of got schooled back at the Black Lives Matter rewatch for having no we idea sure who did. Sharon Lawrence was. So yeah, she's from known for Shameless and NYPD Blue, both shows that I have minimal uh, knowledge on. But looking at her IMDb today to get ready for this, because now we have to be fans of hers for life, because people yeah. don't like it when we don't know who Sharon Lawrence is. <laughs> she was in a TV show that I watch that's only had one season that was this past year that's kind of an underground show that not a lot of people know about that's really good called On Becoming a God in Central Florida, which stars Kirsten Dunst as like oh. a, as like a employee at a water park in Orlando, Florida in the 90s who's like a single mom, and she gets involved in this like pyramid scheme that she gets too deep into. That sounds That's a really good show. It is a really good show. So shout out to that show, which Sharon Lawrence appears in. Nice. I think there's some really strong things in this episode. I think the STD fair as an idea is pretty funny. Let's just dive in. We'll see where it takes us. Okay. The very beginning of the episode, they're setting up for the fair outside. I really like the visual of the huge oversized condoms that they're carrying in. <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious because nowhere other than like Greendale... Would you just see people carrying around giant condoms in it? It just it's, it's just a normal just normal another day. day. The prop department at Community and the set department they do such a great job every week. Whatever they throw at them, saying that the school needs to be this week. Does it need to be an environmental Irish theme this week? Does it need to be condom theme this week? Does it need to be splattered in paintballs this week and cleaned up for next week? They are always on it. Well, and it's kind of funny because the actual set department would have to take. Like, essentially, Dan Harmon is just <laughs> the dean in real life saying, hey, guys, we're doing this next week. Can we yeah. just throw all this <laughs> together, please? Yeah, like, Greendale's like a sandbox, and it can be whatever you need it to be each week. But if you think about the logistics behind the people who literally had to make it this every week, they did a great job. Yeah, totally. So Annie and the dean are talking about this STD fair that's happening at Greendale. They're both wearing those awesome shirts. And... As usual, Annie's super invested in this. She always loves to, I don't know, take to get involved with anything that she's allowed to get involved with to prove, I don't know, to that she works really hard. Yeah, they're talking about all of the things that they're that they're gonna have at the STD fair, and one thing they mentioned that we never got to see was the laser. That it was like a 
they said it was burning like a, a burning pelvis, a pelvis into yeah. the ceiling. Yeah, I would have liked and to have seen that, and we didn't. I it never came to fruition, and it really did disappoint me just a little bit. Maybe the prop department just couldn't get it together in time. They I were like, the "There's no way we can do that." <laughs> <laughs> they said giant condoms or pelvis laser, and you know they, you they went giant condoms, and yeah, it was a choice. The dean's really excited about the laser, and he says, "Like this isn't going to be your grandmother's sexual transmitted disease awareness fair." <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So as they're talking about this, Troy and Abed come around the corner, and Annie hands them a flyer for the the fair, which they automatically or Troy automatically crumples it up and throws it away, which <laughs> is super telling. Several of the people from the study group do this when she tries to give them information about this event that she's planning. They're super dismissive of it. Well, and I like that. I feel like they don't actually realize that it's Annie because even you know later on, it's not Annie that he notices when when jeff takes the paper either <laughs> i that's funny you're right so this immediately just in the first 20 seconds of the episode is already setting up two of the plot lines we've got how involved annie is with this std fair and now we've got troy and abed are on a competitive streak this week as troy tries to dunk the crumpled up std fair flyer into the trash can and misses and then abed just slams it right in no problem Okay, question, and this can be cut out if need be. In yours, did they shoot it from a distance, or did they, like, run up and do it? They shot it from a distance. Okay. Why? Well, I was just curious. Well, did they shoot it from a distance in yours? Yeah. Did I... So then why would you think otherwise? Because you said dunk. Well, Steven, I... Whatever. Well, I know. That's why I was asking. (laughs) Okay, okay. So I... General curiosity. Last week, we had that really, I don't know, hard to watch but thoughtful storyline of Troy learning how to be like a both ways friend, you know, that yeah. it just doesn't go one sided. And I don't know if it was intentional, but I think the storyline follows it up pretty well because they're doing stuff together. And Troy, because he's so competitive, you know, this time we're actually kind of seeing the jockey side of him that we don't normally see. He, like, has to be better than Abed at everything. He's not being a bad friend in this one, but he's still learning how to be a friend to somebody. Yeah, and it's kind of cool to see because there's not really a whole lot of, like, deep dialogue or anything with this storyline. You just Mm -hmm. kind of see it happening. But you actually – it's cool because it it is, like, a growth moment for Troy because Mm -hmm. he probably his whole life would have won all these competitions against most of his friends, you know. But now Abed, who's the last person he would think would beat him, is, you know – easily winning all these things so it's kind of cool uh like you said they follow it up and and kind of show him continuously learning how to be a better friend yeah uh well he's not at this point when he's like whoa you think you're better than me yeah he's like you stick to quoting movie lines i'll stick to sports (laughs) abed for whatever reason he's trying to reduce his pop cultural referencing which why we love it out of you abed don't try to reduce it (laughs) he's like well you're not moving into sports what choice <laughs> but then he immediately is like you and i are playing real basketball right now like right after he's like well you're not getting into sports but wait yes you are because i'm but better than you, you are. and i'm gonna win i just like how long for the ride that is with all of it yeah that's exactly what it is he doesn't set out to be the winner at everything he just is pretty talented at everything they do in this episode and he's like oh wow troy is really on one about this let's see where this goes yeah <laughs> In that little blurb where Troy's, like, challenging Abed, I think that's some of Donald Glover's best facial acting of the episode. He has some pretty funny facial expressions in it. His reactions to the the, the contests against Abed throughout the whole episode get some pretty good yeah. reactions. 
Abed says, sounds fun. Troy, no, it doesn't. <laughs> uh, and it won't be. <laughs> now we we cut to, you're right, Annie is trying to pass Jeff and Britta a flyer for the for the STD fair. It says, catch knowledge. And Jeff immediately, oh, sorry, my, my good personal friend, Joel McHale, says, sorry, not interested. <laughs> and, but as soon as he notices an attractive girl, uh, when he notices that she's involved in any way, he turns around and is like, oh, I'm sorry. I was ignoring a very important cause. <laughs> uh, the, so this is Sabrina, the dean's new secretary, because, I don't know, I think the dean has a new secretary like every week or so. It seems like it. Do you think that they quit or that he fires them? We definitely see some things in the future of the Dean being really, like, snappy and demanding of his secretaries. Mm -hmm. So I could see it going either way. Yeah. I think the character of Sabrina is probably the weakest part of this whole episode. Probably, yeah. She's so sitcom trope sexual prospect. And even though this show has done that a little bit with, like, the Brita character already... She is just so nothing but that. And she's so, like, I get the joke is that she's kind of dumb and kind of boring. But this whole trope of, like, oh, Jeff is really, really cool and deserves someone mentally on the same level as him. But on the flip side, he's a misogynist. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, which side is it going to be? And you can't, yeah. like, I don't know. I think it's, this episode was written by a woman, but I think this doesn't work so well. No, and it's and you know it probably is a little bit intentional because you know they poke fun at, fun at it, but but like you said, it's it's like it's a case of still doing it even if you're mm -hmm. poking fun at it a little bit. Yeah, there's that exchange where you know Sabrina doesn't like the dean calling her secretary and says, "Oh, I help the dean do officey things," and Britta's like, "Oh, gender saved." Yeah, that was funny. Jeff makes it really clear to this new attractive woman that's been placed in front of his face that he and Britta are nothing and is like, my casual friend and I are going for a casual breakfast. You should come with me. I could see how it could get a chuckle, but but like you were kind of saying, you know, it's like, uh, okay, Jeff's doing his thing again. There's a lot of that in this episode of Jeff's doing his thing again, and I thought we'd been over this. He'd, I did he's too. done so much better the last couple episodes. This is a funny joke kind of when he, he says he wants to get breakfast with everybody and Annie's like oh the cafeteria is closed but here take a fortune cookie the dean's talking about how Greendale is the is the latest college to get a case of public health fever you know really showing off that he sees what other colleges are doing and is like oh yeah we got to do that mm -hmm. well because they're a real college and this spurs the conversation about well you know the toilets in the women's bathrooms don't have <laughs> seats right and he's like oh people keep stealing them I have to do something about that take a note of that <laughs> I want hidden cameras in every stall. Oh, boy. Problem solved. That's when Jeff opens his fortune cookie that says, You will get AIDS. Flip it over. Unless you go to the STD fair. I wrote that. Congratulations. Horrible. These jokes work pretty well, but then Joel, my good personal friend Joel McHale, gives a pretty awkward reaction when he says, Congratulations. Horrible. That's yeah. so cheesy. It was super cheesy. Weak. Yeah. <laughs> I think that I laughed at it because it was so uncomfortable that I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, Annie can't even, she's just like, see you later, and walks away. <laughs> All right, and play a theme. <laughs> we hear Catch Knowledge. Yeah, that's another thing. It's the line that cuts away to the theme song. You can do better than that. You need to <laughs> cut with a good laugh, you know? 
Like the <laughs> subtitle the for, really off. for this yeah. episode should be "You can do better." That's <laughs> well, honestly, I don't know. I haven't looked at it. I've been keeping a list of my rankings of the episode as we've been watching them, and I mm. haven't placed this one yet. But yeah, I think it'll be in the lower half, maybe like the lower quarter for sure. Not a bad episode. We haven't had a bad episode of Community yet. No. But just when things were really starting to get good, this one felt like half a step backwards. Yeah. After the little blurb of the theme song, we get a pretty funny scene with Pierce and Jeff where they're the only people left in the study group. And all of Jeff's kind of, I don't know, taking everything Pierce says very lightly, all of his, like, I'm losing my I'm losing my words. All the things he says to kind of put down Pierce and ignore him are really funny. Because Pierce says, Jeff, you and I are friends, right? And Jeff says, okay. Yeah, I thought this this whole scene was hilarious. Like, that was, this was easily some of my favorite Jeff stuff to the season so far, I think. Just in terms of, like, the timing of it all and his, like, kind of snarkiness. I'm going to yawn or something. Excuse me. Yeah. But. I, I do think I undercut Community saying this being the best Jeff and Pierce a little bit. Because there is some thoughtful stuff. There's some stuff in this episode that points at how Jeff and Pierce are a lot closer to each other than what they think they are, um, even though Jeff thinks he's way better than, and Pierce thinks he's way just as cool as Jeff. They're, <laughs> they're more similar than what they think or what Jeff hopes. Yeah, so Pierce is bragging about this date that he has tonight, and she's really smart, he says, with, with, with like his breasts cupped. <laughs> Which is the most Pierce thing to say. Yeah, but he's got just this almost cute, like, schoolboy, giggly, bubbly, excited about this date that he's having. It literally sounds like a middle school boy, like, telling his friend about, like, a girl. Yeah, and Jeff just isn't having it. I love when he's like, Unfortunately, I always know what you mean when, <laughs> when Pierce says, you know what I mean? And that's when he gets that. You know, when you catch a big fish, you want to stuff her and put her on the mantle. <laughs> really dark. Yikes. And as everyone else, just as Choi and Abed are walking in, Abed dribbling a basketball, and Abed's just like, Choi and I played basketball. It was fun. And Choi is just so stressed out about it. Talking about, you know, his gentle and mysterious eyes that make it difficult to guard him. Which I love that's why Abed won. Like, I like that it wasn't like, you know, he was like Michael Jordan or anything. It's just like, yeah, he's he's like, I can't. (laughs) There's a little shot of Abed right after it where you see a glimpse of his eyes. And I get it. They're mysterious, but gentle. (laughs) They are. And Pierce is just, hey, guys, Jeff and I are double dating tonight. (laughs) <laughs> and Jeff's like, how did you get that from I Doubt It? And everyone's, ooh. This is when we get a really funny back and forth of Jeff and Pierce kind of batting back and forth, like jabs at each other and the study group, like watching it like a ping pong going across the table. Before we get into that, though, we get the funny reveal that Pierce's date that he's so excited about is an escort. They're like, great, what does she do? She's an escort. The timing of that is pretty flawless. It's really good. Yeah, well, she's not escorting me. Yeah, everyone's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Some mysteries <laughs> solve themselves. Jeff says, well, Britta's like, looks like she's really laughing. And yeah, it is kind of interesting that Pierce has ended up in a on a date with a woman who is an escort, but they're going on a real date. And well, it's kind yeah. of like, you know, she does that for a living, but this is... 
she's she's you know single and looking for love and for some reason has has decided to look to pierce for that yeah i wonder how they met because i can't well, he says they, they met in a, some kind of class in like a, oh you're right it's a marketing class, class marketing class which is a funny joke if maybe the escort is in a marketing class to to pick up learn how to better market herself yeah <laughs> yeah but yeah they're they're not Dorian, who we meet a little bit later, isn't hanging out with Pierce just to be an escort. It's they're going on a date. Yeah, they met in class. They're going to go together to the STD fair, which is another pretty funny thought, which cuts into probably the most classic line bit of the entire episode when Troy's eyes just spark. Taking a call girl to an STD fair. This joke here. (laughs) And for the next, like, 30 seconds of conversation... His wheels are just turning and turning, trying to put it together. <laughs> like when he like finally like makes a case, like okay, he's like oh crap, they're like a food, but also a disease. <laughs> Meanwhile, Pierce won't drop. It's like we're gonna go on this double date, right? It's happening, and Jeff is like, how is there a pill that makes the word no clearer? And this is when we start getting the ping pong match, where Pierce is like, well, you probably couldn't get a date anyway. And everyone's ooh, <laughs> and then Jeff, I'm sure you're right. Ooh, which I didn't really get the ooh to that. And Jeff kind of makes a face like he doesn't quite get it either. <laughs> you know, while we cut to Troy, and you can literally see the... I think you've mentioned this about other people before. He's like the meme where you can see, like, the the equations going on inside yeah. his head, like, in front of him. <laughs> but it's Troy, so it's probably, like, two plus two. Right, nothing too crazy going on. <laughs> a picture of an apple. <laughs> so Pierce is trying to talk... Jeff, I don't know, he's kind of jabbing at Jeff about when's the last time you had a date? Why don't you bring out your little black book and, and score with somebody? Which well, this is, is like the first time that Pierce has like had anything over Jeff, really. Well, yeah, and he's just doing this because he wants Jeff to come hang out with him. And he, he he's a little schoolboy, so he needs to have another schoolboy with him to yeah. <laughs> say, tell that he's scored. And he smartly, like, this is something that would bother Jeff. Mm-hmm. He acts like he doesn't, you know. He's like, "Well, I don't know the precise date because I'm not you, so there's no receipt." Which deserved an ooh, but no one really gave it to him. <laughs> they, well, listen, Poor they Jeff. were not. They were not down with with shaming the girl because well, even Shirley came at Jeff now, right? You're right. Shirley does say you shouldn't take pot shots at a woman just because you can't get a date. <laughs> and Jeff says, "You know, I can get dates anytime I want." And that is when we get the. Was it some kind of joke? No. This is. Don't eat the crab dip. Yay, yay. Very funny. Oh, my God. Troy's beaming smile as he delivers this joke that he's been working really hard on and is really proud of. It's very funny. (laughs) And everyone, it just cuts to Shirley kind of wincing and Annie just kind of paying it no attention. (laughs) And I love that, like. You know that, like, in, like, the world of community, he probably does that, like, at least once a day. He's like, oh, hold on, I got something for this. And he'll bring it up, like, long after it's been relevant. <laughs> like, hey, guys, remember that joke I made about the crab dip? <laughs> now we cut to another pretty funny interaction. Most of the funniest parts of this episode are the first half. I agree. Uh, Annie's putting up this banner, and the dean comes up to comes up to her. And I love that the dean's, like, holding, like, a milk box, like a juice box kind of thing, this whole conversation. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a really small and specific character thing that is kind of funny. And he comes right up to Annie, like, real hot, and he's like, That's the sound of STDs screaming, No! Stop being so aware of 
<laughs> I thought that was really funny. <laughs> Jim Rash really likes to show off that silly high-pitched voice he can do, and this is one of the first times I think he's done it. <laughs> it's so good. This is one of my like favorite Dean episodes where the Dean wasn't necessarily super over the top, you know, like but he's just hilarious. Yeah, the dean of season two or three would have treated a sexual awareness fair very differently, I feel. He would have dressed up in a condom at, you know, yeah. in the later seasons. Oh, man. In nothing but... Nothing but a condom. <laughs> oh. But uh, the dean <laughs> thanks Annie and tells her how much of a help that she's been. And Annie says, well, I was voted most likely to succeed at my rehab clinic. <laughs> which is a funny Annie That line. was a really good joke. The dean is proposing to her that since you've done this, I'm going to let you be like the person who lights the torch of these STD Olympics by donning the condom on the mannequin's penis to show everyone the right way to do it. And you can immediately see in Annie's face like, oh, <laughs> she drops the banner that she's trying to put up. Uh, I also like that the dean, we don't ever hear much about the dean's life outside of Greendale, but he brings up that his dad would have called a penis a jimmy carter (laughs) which is like such a small like telling joke that's just hilarious and annie kind of tries to say you know i don't really know if i can do that or if i feel comfortable and the dean pretty much puts that down and says no no it's okay it's a model you can do it and he has another funny line and he's like but trust me eyes closed you can't tell the difference (laughs) and the way that he just kind of like you can tell he's just looking off, remembering or imagining or whichever you want to call it. Very funny. Yeah, he he starts sucking on his on his juice box like, okay, time to go. <laughs> I've got to go relive this somewhere else. I got to go look up some Dalmatian videos in my office. Right. And Annie is freaking out about this, and I can kind of get this. We'll get deeper into why later, but it, I don't know. Regardless of a reason, that's an awkward position to be in a little bit if you're not i feel like it's a very awkward position to be in in college in front of the whole school for sure yeah if you're not like the sex ed teacher yeah yeah (laughs) we cut to jeff's phone screen and we are seeing him flip through his really shallow names in his phone that are just deducing people to like three words about where they saw each other or what they look like have you ever done anything like that to someone in your phone um, I have done, when I only have a first name, I've done first name, then descriptor. But there's always a name. I have you in my phone as Tall Cutie from Podcast. Oh, I have you in my phone as Do Not Answer. Sounds like my parents. <laughs> <laughs> so he's trying to call someone to get to go on this, I guess now he's committed to going on this double date with pierce and he's talking to someone on the phone this is a pretty douchey little not funny joke about him calling a woman asking her out not knowing her name and calling her by the wrong name this is very cliche tropey this show's better than this yeah it's just like it'd be one thing like to make the joke okay jeff has like this black book full of always like that's one joke okay but it's it's another thing to say that he doesn't know any of their names. Like, okay. Yeah. Uh, boo. Well, this episode makes Jeff deal with this, learn from it a little bit, but the way it's presented throughout most of the episode, it's not like shaming Jeff hard enough for it. If the joke no. was like what he's doing is bad the whole way through and we're really laughing at him, I don't know. They take Jeff more seriously than that, and it's hard to take this seriously. I agree. They don't treat it like it's this awful thing he's doing. It's almost like... We're not supposed to feel bad for Jeff, but we're supposed to be like, oh, well. Like, oh, I hope he gets better. 
mm-hmm. when or like oh he's just like still learning when he's like a man close to 40 who doesn't know the names of the women that he sleeps with yeah but tv in 2009 portrayed stuff like that differently it's true. This was still totally the era of, like, Barney Stinson. Yeah. And, and the thing is, that was what was, like, the cool guy on TV. Yeah, and there were... I definitely thought he was the coolest character on that show when I was a little bit younger. And now, I don't know, maybe I would still think he's the funniest because of Neil Patrick Harris, but it's, like, how did we think some of the stuff was funny? I... In hindsight, a lot of How I Met Your Mother stuff, I'm like, ooh. <laughs> That's how I feel. We've talked about it briefly before watching through that 70s show as I've still been doing for a while now. It, it's yeah. got a lot of that in there, too. That's one that like I always jump at, and I'm like, man, I, I liked this show a lot more when I was eight and didn't get the jokes. <laughs> yeah, that once you have a deeper love for what makes a joke funny and smart, and the tightrope walk you have to play off to make like a string of jokes really land, mm-hmm. it, it, anything that's any lazier than that it doesn't cut it anymore. Yeah. It's like I was ruined by shows like Community and Arrested Development where I a lot of I'm like a comedy snob now. Arrested Development especially I think messed up a lot of sitcoms for me cuz it's just like some of the joke is the the running the way they do running jokes in that show are just so good. Yeah. Yeah. Not to say that I don't still enjoy that 70s show, but Yeah, I'm not saying I don't either. It's got its simple joys, but mm-hmm. it's I don't know. It's definitely not a show like this show. And no. when I see this show do things like they do in this episode, it, I don't know, you're better than this. You could you could have done it a little better. It's almost like how the in football feminism and you the feminism bathroom plot wasn't all that thoughtful. It no, base it was level. Just like, this is kind of the same. I feel ya. So Britta walks up to Jeff and is like, "Oh wow, Pierce really got to you." And Jeff talks about the dry spell that he's been going through. Britta sees the list of names on his phone and rightfully calls him out for it. The only one that's a little bit funny is... At least you have mommy in here. It's not my mom. <laughs> so what, do, I, what do you think Jeff's name for his mom is in his phone? Like Jeff doesn't have like his mom's number saved in his phone. Older woman from uterus or something like Probably that? Probably like Helen or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I can say, as somebody who, you know has dated people who are a little older than him in the past never have i put someone in my phone as mommy that's gross i still feel like just by saying what you just said you've told us way more than any of us needed (laughs) (laughs) so i'm gonna step right over that (laughs) uh you know Britta says dude that's not cool to jeff looking through all these names and then jeff has another really lame throwback of you saying dude is not cool yeah first of all jeff shut the hell up yeah when he said that i was like ugh. yeah since joel (laughs) and i are such close friends i don't feel bad calling him out when he makes bad decisions like this yeah i mean we're on a first first name basis with him so it's i when we when we bring him on the show and we finally find the time for him we gotta ask him be like hey yeah why didn't you speak up on that one yeah we 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 can't have him on this week because we got to unpack Steven's mommy issues. Yeah. So. <laughs> but as soon as we finish that. <laughs> yeah, we'll call him in a couple months. Yeah. <laughs> Pray about it. <laughs> then Britta starts like tapping at her phone and Jeff's like, what are you doing? And it is a funny joke. You know, Britta calls Jeff's phone to see what her name is on his phone and it's hot blonde Spanish class. Joel does a pretty funny 
face his reaction and like the way he's like you're welcome to that one like being like a compliment that one made me chuckle just a little bit yeah that was kind of funny i think jeff knows that this isn't cool and doesn't like being called out for it so he's kind of trying to like make her laugh a little bit he knows that that's not the right way to go about addressing somebody but right he's like all right well i'm already got so let me try and play it off and and, right. and use my my charm here britta very astutely puts it this is the phone book of a man in his 20s the women literally have no identities it's pretty shallow and i'll say i do know people who well, i know more people who don't have any numbers saved in their phone than people who do stuff like this but i definitely know people that are around our age that that have phone books that look similar i can relate to not saving numbers literally the friend that i've hung out with the most recently i don't have their name saved in my phone (laughs) you're awful Uh, i know who it is (laughs) jeff he says you're right i can't believe i've never seen it until now and he's just being a dick that he's like oh don't question my misogynistic ways you know let me be me yeah be you it's like whatever dude and britta gives up and says i'm gonna leave to go study with shirley Jeff says, I'm going to sit here and rethink my entire life. And he's being sarcastic, but I feel like he's saying that because he's actually thinking it. Yeah, he probably legitimately is like, damn, maybe I'm messing up a little bit. Do you ever do that thing where you say something that's real, but you say it as a joke? Oh, absolutely. Because that's what he's doing. He's like, oh, I'll be here rethinking my entire life. And then she walks away and he's like, oh, God, who am I? What have I done? <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm just going to cry myself to sleep tonight ha 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 then you go home and bite a towel yeah yeah right (laughs) you know and you think that maybe jeff is gonna have this be a moment where he really does think about his actions but nope he picks up his phone and says call mommy (laughs) (laughs) i love that that's he was like oh wait i do have mommy in here i forgot it's like i forgot about mommy So this sounds oh, like a winner. Uh, so now we cut to Annie walking into the study room where, just as mentioned, Britta and Shirley are studying together. And she's telling them about how the dean has talked her into putting the condom on the mannequin and how uh, uncomfortable she is about it. She refers to it as thingamabob. Thingamabob. Which is early on in the episode, uh, setting up how she's uncomfortable saying the word penis. The P word. We're going to get to talk about all kinds of fun, uncomfortable stuff in this episode. (laughs) She says it's a big honor, but she thinks she's going to screw it up. And surely, (laughs) I love Yvette's line reading of like, oh, well, it's really easy to practice. Britta, do you have a banana? (laughs) A banana? (laughs) My, like, favorite thing about Shirley is the weird-ass way she says some things. Because it's such, like, a, I don't know, it's just so Shirley. Because it's, like, such a such an innocent way of reading the words but it, yeah, it cracks I, me up i've heard them kind of talk on the commentary like coming from dan that that way of speaking for shirley just comes from yvette because <laughs> it's Th- like she was talking it's almost like she's always in like mom mode talking to little kids. yeah it's where the miss piggy voice joke from season two comes from <laughs> but but uh yeah, Dan Dan said in one of the season one commentaries, we're like, yeah, this is the episode where Yvette started talking like Miss Piggy all the time for some reason. <laughs> Banana? <laughs> but it is totally like that. She's just like, oh, Annie. Yeah. <laughs> she, she does sound like, she does sound like Miss Piggy. Oh. <laughs> also, okay. 
I fucking love the Muppets. I've been thinking about the Muppets a lot this week, and we we're talking about Miss Piggy. I I just want to say I love the Muppets. Um, so I just love them. Uh, once your local, if if your local library is open and they have DVDs, the best way to watch the complete Muppets series, in my experience, is to rent the DVDs for the complete Muppets series. Sit down and watch them, and you will not be disappointed. That's how I watched Community for the first time. I got all the season DVDs from our local library. Hey, yo. Shout there's out to libraries, new, in all honesty. Like, big time. For real, for real. There's a new Muppet show starting on Disney Plus this week that supposedly is actually good. Oh. And it's kind of so in the vein of the Muppet show, where it's like the backstage antics of like a variety show kind of thing. Okay. So I'm looking forward to it. I like that. I love the Muppets. I liked both Muppet movies quite a bit. The first one especially was... The Jason Siegel Muppet movie we I, we were talking about today I think is really close to genius where it works so well as a kids film that reintroduces kids to the Muppets but just about everything in that movie is super meta and works yeah. really well as adult humor while not being anything that your children shouldn't see. Absolutely. And I also think that the travel by map joke is one of my favorite jokes in a movie in the last like 10 years. I know we joke around all the time about, like, let's do a podcast about this. Let's do a podcast about this. I would literally do a Muppet podcast. Listen, I could talk about the song right here on the stairs for six hours. <laughs> I love the Muppets. <laughs> I love the Muppets. I, I'll I just say love it. them, and I'll I had to say it. I'll scream from okay. the rooftops. I love the That's Muppets. It. I love yeah. the Muppets. Yeah. Yeah, the important takeaway from this episode is not that I got to speak to Joel McHale. It's that I f***ing love the Muppets. Yeah, that's what you should know. That's what we should be advertising this episode for. Just, just Muppet love. Muppet love. <laughs> Did you see that movie? What was it called? Uh, Mr. Snuffles Fun Time. I, I have no what? idea. What are called. you talking about? <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the movie with uh, Melissa McCarthy, where she's like a cop and oh. her partner is like a really gross Muppet or some shit. Oh, it's called The Happy Time Murders. Yeah, Mr. Fluffles. Time. It's one of the it's one of the worst films I've ever seen in my entire life. I have seen it. I knew it when truly... I saw the preview where the Muppet was having sex in his office and then ejaculated Muppet all over the door that yep. I never wanted to see Silly it. Silly string. Yeah, you yeah. should it's it's almost one of those movies that's so bad it's good. It's hard for like big budget Hollywood movies to be so bad it's good. It's usually like the indie movies that are so bad yeah. they're good. But that one is almost so bad it's worth watching. And hey, uh, my good personal friend Joel McHale is great in it. Oh, he's in that. Yeah, Joel McHale is in the Happy Time Murders. Uh, Does he? I'm sure with it's up there. I'm sure it's. Uh, I forget exactly what his character was, but <laughs> I'm not. sure it's up there in the roles he's proudest of, alongside Spy Kids Four. Hey, he got to be married to Jessica Freakin' Alba. I didn't see Spy Kids Four, but that sounds nice. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was married to Jessica Alba. I, I love the Spy Kids movies, but that's talk for another day. Anyway, yeah, we gotta stop talking about Spy Kids. We gotta talk about Annie's penis problems. So, shout out! Did you know? Fun fact that uh, Carmen from Spy Kids, aka Alexa Vega, is married to Carlos from Big Time Rush. Oh, I thought you were gonna say something about her giving you penis problems. No, no. Moving on. <laughs> Annie says, "Real whatchamacallits aren't anything like bananas." Are they? Are they? And the look on Shirley and Britta's face of like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Have you never seen one? And she hasn't. She's managed to never have seen a peen. Lucky her. She must have never been at a public pool dressing room 
on the not. men's side. That's, she she saw, clearly never went to a YMCA boys' locker room yeah. as a child. I've definitely saw penis and balls in situations like that way too early. Well, and it was always old people. I, yeah. Always. Yep. And Shirley is very supportive and says, oh, you shouldn't feel bad about being a virgin. You know, so few people are still virgins these days. It's really special. And that's when Annie breaks into the story about (laughs) having sex with her high school boyfriend. They had sex to Madonna's erotica on the floor, but he wouldn't let her look at him. (laughs) And that he cried after and during. And he's gay now. (laughs) (laughs) And then Britta has the great line. I think he was gay then. <laughs> um, to which so Annie yeah, looks horrified. <laughs> what I hinted at before, that story, like almost to the detail, is true of Allison Brie. That is unfortunate. <laughs> I guess back in these days, she had written a book that was a lot of like funny sex stories. I think that were true to life, and it was also like a like a like a play or like a show that she kind of put on that was like the stories from the book Mm. and this is a story taken right from the book that i think they were kind of jabbing at her a little bit oh that's funny shirley's like you've like never seen one like on the internet or a picture or harvey keitel's (laughs) what movie is harvey keitel in that he shows off his peen i also was unsure about that and i was i don't remember that part of reservoir dogs (laughs) right and annie says i've caught glimpses but i've never got a real good look at one she starts bringing up i don't know that she needs to see the model and she needs to practice and see it for herself and she's too insecure about talking about this to ask the dean to take a look at it so she gathers her gal pals to help her break into the dean's office to take a look at a fake plastic penis which i'm sure if you need to look at a fake plastic penis there's no better place to go than any room that is primarily the room of craig pelton it's true also um for those who just had to know um which films harvey keitel has uh, done full frontal in um apparently the piano and bad lieutenant are two that he has Never seen either of them, but they are at the top of the list now. I've seen The Pianist, but not The Piano. <laughs> You've seen The Pianist, you just haven't seen The Penis. Exactly. The the whatchamacallit. So all the friends are super on board. It's funny how she says, we have to break into his office. And Britta and Shirley are both like, I actually have no problem with that. I think I could do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, especially think... considering that they broke into someone's office together, like, not three episodes ago so (laughs) annie's storyline walks a fine line where some of what they do here is not super successful but a lot of it they do is i think the that shirley and britta kind of teaming up to try to help her is really nice yeah and funny and works well (laughs) now we cut to the fair and uh outside pierce walks up to jeff it looks like he was just like waiting behind a corner or something for jeff to show up so he could show up at the same time, be like, oh, I was just getting here at the same time, waiting for my smoking hot date. <laughs> right, you know Pierce has been there waiting for the last two hours. He didn't have anything to do in between. Yeah, well, I don't think he ever really leaves the campus. I think he has this huge mansion, but he chooses to spend all of his time at Greendale. Yeah. There's a line, de- a classic weirdo line delivery of Chevy where <laughs> he's asking Jeff, were you ever able to come up with a date? And he's like... Uh, were you uh, ever uh, able to, uh, you know, uh, come up with the uh, uh, date? He just takes like 30 seconds to say this one sentence, which I know I can't call him out too much because we do that all the time. <laughs> but, but we're also not they, getting paid to do this, so. 
Speak for yourself. Uh, well, <laughs> uh, uh, well uh, um, <laughs> uh, I think Dan's mentioned it before that Chevy, they always have to, because like with TV comedy, you have to act really fast. Mm-hmm. Every The jokes have to get out fast because you only have a little bit of time. And Chevy just like takes things really slow and that they always really struggle with him getting to spit out his lines. And he thinks he's being funnier when he like takes his time and... I don't know. Like he always like shrugs up his shoulders, like eh, way, eh, way. And I don't know. It was a li- <laughs> it was a little annoying. Yeah, moments like that where Chevy shines through instead of Pierce. Absolutely. And then we don't we don't necessarily want that all the time. Yeah, Jeff says, you know, I didn't get a date because bringing a date to an STD fair is weird, which is pretty weird. Uh, and... yeah. Hey, you know what? Honestly, of all the places you can take someone on a first date, and like all the different fairs. STD fair, not the worst one. It tells you, you know, hey, I'm into safety and health. I Yeah, I guess you can learn about things like that as a couple before you experience any of those things yeah. as a couple. It's not so, a mood setter. I think it, it sets the mood. It's a pretty awful first date. What's the what's the worst first date you've ever been on? Ooh. Like, awkward. Ooh, okay. Um, probably, well, I haven't had any really bad first dates, luckily. I did one time go to see Thor Ragnarok with someone, and they didn't think it was funny. I haven't seen Thor Ragnarok. Well, it's very it funny? funny. Yeah. <laughs> well, and with people like us, the sense of humor is so important. And if yeah. they're not picking up the the funny you're throwing down, like get out of here. Yeah. They uh, ended up uh, having some, some other views that I didn't support as well that I found out oh. later about, and I was like, ooh, hit the road, Jack. For me... Obviously, it can't be the worst first date I've ever had because I'm still with the person it was with. But <laughs> Lily and I's first date, we saw "Call Me by Your Name." That is terrible. I, I, I'm sorry. That was the worst thing you could have ever done. <laughs> I knew like the basis of the storyline, and I knew that it was like a popular, award buzzy indie film. So the like the. I don't know, the the cinephile in me wanted to go check it out. Mm-hmm. But as a date with the girl who I was interested in and being a very awkward, non-confrontational person, trying to watch this movie that was good but very, very unromantic. And <laughs> you mean that a guy f***ing a peach didn't set the mood for you? Yeah, well, it's exactly like that. It's because, like, <laughs> you know, you're on your first date. You're trying to find the right moment to, like, try to hold hands with the person next to you. And then, like, he starts f***ing a peach. So it's like, well, now if I hold her hand during this part, she thinks I'm going to want her to f*** a peach with me. You know? it's. I'd like to uh, change my answer because you reminded me, Zach, of a first date of mine that you actually were, were privy to. <laughs> you, were the, you were the wingman back up on that one. And it was American Sniper was the first date movie. Yeah, Do you remember that? That? Not a, that was not a good night for any of us. <laughs> Yes, I remember that. (laughs) Why American Uh, Sniper? What the hell was I thinking? Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) Like, she wears jeans. She'll like this movie about America. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't don't know. I don't don't know what we were thinking, dude. Uh. Pierce is like, you know what? You're having a dry spell to Jeff. And he has a really funny line where he's like, From my experience, they don't last any more than 12, 13 years. Man, ain't that the truth. And almost funnier than that line is when... He, like, right after that, is like, excuse me, really awkwardly, and, like, brushes past Jeff. <laughs> Poor guy. 
I do feel a little bit bad for Pierce in this episode, but yeah. it's hard to feel too bad for him because he brings it all on himself. He 100% does. But I just think he doesn't know any better. I think he is kind of just like a little kid. Mm-hmm. Now we cut to the Dean spinning the Wheel of Remorse. I tried to pause the Wheel of Remorse a couple of times to get a good look at what it was. On the DVD copy, it was really fuzzy. Did mm-hmm. you happen to pick anything out of the Wheel of Remorse? No, I had the same issue. I wanted to see what was on it, but couldn't really get too much well because dan talks about all the time how it's amazing that their set and prop teams can so like none of the writers wrote these jokes that are on like posters and stuff in the background the set and prop team does it it's awesome it's awesome that the set and prop people are so in tune with the spirit of the show that they can even write jokes that are like that's why you look for stuff in the background in these episodes because they've done such a good job of making Greendale feel like what it is. The jokes that they fit in sometimes are as as funny or if not funnier than some of the jokes in the episode. Yeah. So I love Well, it. there's a running thing later in the series where the production team would often hide messages to the audience in the like chalkboards. Mm. Where you'll see like the episode production codes and then there'll be like a note to the people, especially later in the series when the fans were so loud and rabid and the show was always on the bubble. There'd always be some hidden, like, hey, thanks for being with us and stuff like that. That's cool. Or, like, after Troy left, because he was on a boat with LeVar Burton, there'd be things, like, uh, hinting towards the whereabouts of Troy. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I love that while they're spinning the wheel of remorse, the Dean is just so funny in his bit where he's like, gonorrhea, no gonorrhea, oh, Because the Dean, like, was clearly so into this. Yeah, and Jeff walks right up to interrupt him to ask about... What's her name? Sabrina? Oh, shoot. Who cares? Who cares? Asks asks about the... I think it is Sabrina. Asks about the secretary's likes and dislikes. Is she single? And the Dean would talk to Jeff for forever about anything. So it was like, yeah, she's single. She likes this. She likes this. She dislikes this. And Jeff just immediately walks away right after hearing single. <laughs> and he's like, I was done talking. <laughs> and I, and, I Honestly, I like her, her list, right? She likes hip hop and horses and dislikes beards. So far, I feel like I, I got a chance. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> That's all it takes, huh, buddy? Yeah. Like, I don't have a beard. I like horse. <laughs> I I from countryside. Hello. <laughs> Jeff walks up to Sabrina, who's playing whack and STD. <laughs> I love all that they the have carnival freaking games. games. And stuff. Yeah, they did a great <laughs> job of theming them to the thing. And he walks right up to her and goes, just like, is it me or are horses the most beautiful creatures? And Sabrina is such a sweet, simple girl. That she's like, totally. <laughs> Sploosh. It was so done for. One of my trivia questions was almost what Jeff tells Sabrina his morning routine was, but <laughs> I couldn't find the right I couldn't find the right way to word it because he says, you know, this morning when I was shaving and listening to the new Jay Z <laughs> saying that like he definitely doesn't have a beard and he listens to a hip hop artist. So like I was thinking how I want to squeeze in a quick gallop this weekend. Also it shows how old he is because I imagine that somebody her age was probably not listening to Jay Z if she was listening to a lot of hip hop. But that's just a guess. Maybe I'm making Do you ever have a crush on a horse girl? Uh, yes. Is the Thor Ragnarok, was she was she a horse girl? <laughs> Not horses, but lizards. That's worse. Somehow that's worse. <laughs> Somehow that's worse. Huh. 
So <laughs> Jeff is like, you want to go out with me? And she's like, yeah. And they walk up to Pierce so Jeff can be like, you know what? See, this is a girl. Uh, 30 seconds ago, she said she'd go out with me. I can get a date whenever. Booyah. And Pierce is like, you must have a great personality. <laughs> Which is very astute of Pierce, even I, though he doesn't really have I much room to talk. I love when Pierce is feeling confident enough to like kind of rag on people. Yeah. Because they're so funny when he does. Because even when he's right, it's still like underneath so much i don't know like a guy who just so doesn't get it no but if he says a thousand things a minute like one of them will ring true you know right he's like in like a batting like machine or whatever and just like just swinging 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 and he finally made contact with one (laughs) and pierce is like jeff you proved me wrong you got a girl and then doreen is there too we're seeing the great i gotta look up her name again sharon lawrence (laughs) <laughs> finally makes her appearance as Doreen and it's like just as it's just like just as soon Jeff showed up to the place Pierce was automatically there and just as soon as Jeff brings around her date Pierce's date has suddenly like appeared out of the ether you know we've got the winger guarantee that's the the Hawthorne whole crux or whatever you want to call it <laughs> so at it. the beginning of our episode we got Joel McHale himself saying that's the winger endorsement and now we've got you saying that's the Hawthorne Horcrux. <laughs> oh man. Maybe he'll let you say that on their podcast. After I really that little blurb, so. we cut to Chang, who makes a couple of really spare appearances in this episode, just like kind of doing something in the background. And he's filling his shirt pockets with the free mm-hmm. condoms. I feel like I like to imagine that this episode, it's not Chang, but I think that Kin Jong was just hanging around set <laughs> and was just attending the fair. It's like if I'm here, I'm going to get on camera. Right? Um, <laughs> I like to think that this is even thoughtful to the point that he's getting all these condoms because his sex life with his soon-to-be or whatever ex-wife from last week, it's been reawoken. Oh, it's true. He's 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 back on. El Tigre prowls again. That should be a Western film starring Ken Jong. I'd watch it. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? So here's a fun game we get to play. Okay, so the dean is like, check out how cool these condoms are. All along the side, it says Greendale with an exclamation point. <laughs> If you were to wear one of these, how much of the word Greendale would we be able to see? Because for me, it's nothing but grr. <laughs> well, it depends on the font. Are we are we doing Arial Black or Helvetica? Because it makes the a font difference. matter. It should be the font size. Yeah. No, the font matters. Are we talking all caps or? All caps. Joker man. If it's all Joker caps, man, I'm really gonna do well. Uh, all caps wingdings. <laughs> You know that one? Sorry, I only type in Algerian. And he, <laughs> he wants to get some topical font humor going on. <laughs> oh, Next man. week on our font podcast. You can't dis a we've... font. <laughs> we'll be inviting singer-songwriter James Fontelroy, who I recently learned is not in the font industry and is a total waste of our time. We'll be like, hey, Joel, we're finally ready for you to come on the podcast. Just a little bit of info. It's just about fonts now. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have any time on the community one for you, but we've yeah. got this side one. It's really getting going. Yeah, we think it's, it's more your style anyway. You. Yeah. <laughs> so after that little blurb of Dean and Chang bonding over over condoms, we get Jeff and Sabrina. Jeff got like a caricature done. Yeah. And he's like, oh, look, it's me, but with syphilis. <laughs> Pierce comes <laughs> over with, the, with this lady in picture. hand and is like, hey, hey, look how gorgeous Doreen is tonight. And <laughs> he... He makes this, like, hook, line, and sinker, like, face and punch at Jeff. He's, like, he's just trying to be such a fake stud. 
<laughs> he's really trying to be a bro, and it is not not working. It, but just as soon as he brings the day over, he's like so ready to get Jeff somewhere else. The only point for all of this is for Jeff to think a certain way of Pierce. Yeah. Pierce pulls him to the side and gives a really funny line when he's like, Maybe we split up for a little hoo-ha. And then uh, we meet in the morning for eggs and details. <laughs> that was pretty funny. And Which, it's like, it, Pierce, like, the way he says some of these things, it's like almost like a... Uh, like a like a it is like a like a jump street situation almost where like he's like a narc and it's like okay you're so old and you're trying to talk this way and it's just not working but what's you know, the meet steve in the morning for 30 eggs rock and meme it's like hello fellow youths yeah <laughs> i don't know what the exact line is oh it's just oh hilarious so now Jeff's we get... line afterwards pretty funny he's like that sounds like the worst combination plate yeah, that... ever now we get Troy and Abed again. We haven't caught up with them in a little bit now. And uh, Abed has this huge teddy bear showing that he won, like, the biggest prize in one of these STD carnival games. And Troy just, like, can't handle it. He can't face being worse than Abed at everything. And Abed's so nice. He's like, well, do you want my stuffed animal? <laughs> and Troy is just raging. I love the him punching the stuffed animal off of the off the rail. <laughs> yeah, Just raging. And then he throws over all the stuff on a table, and he's like, "We're arm wrestling." <laughs> you could tell he's just like trying to find like another thing to challenge. I said, like, "Okay, well, I lost at this. What can I do?" Like, there's a table. <laughs> <laughs> That's when Abed channels Stallone and asks if he needs a truck and an eight-year-old son. And Troy's just like, "No, the rules are you suck. Let's go." <laughs> <laughs> And I love that since they're on TV, and this is a TV show, and Abed's the one who kind of gets to play around with that, he's like, Uh, I want to wait for a more inspiring song. The score isn't right. There we go. And then instantly the right song starts playing for them to have <laughs> yeah, an that intense was great. stare down. All of a sudden, that was, I, has... I really liked the way this scene was done. It was like, because it, it, it feels like a movie all of a sudden. You Anthony know, like Russo, he did go on to direct The Avengers. He knows what he's yeah. doing. It was solid. Abed all of a sudden has a hat to put on backwards. There's really intense music. The facial expressions are super funny. Abed is just a champ. He's so strong-handed. He's not struggling at all. And Choi just looks like he's like every he's trying to look like it's not hard, but he's just mustering everything he can to try to be stronger than Abed. It looks like he's winning. And then Abed just like, and I guess this is from that Stallone movie too that I mm-hmm. haven't seen that they're referencing. Abed like wraps his fingers around Choi's hand one more time, and then bam, the <laughs> the other arm is down. And Choi's got that look on his face of like, oh, oh my god, I don't know. You just have to go watch it to see the facial expressions from Donald. It's so funny. It was it was just so perfect, and like the way Abed like. You can tell that in that moment he wasn't arm wrestling Troy. He was just acting out the scene from the movie. He was being Sylvester Stallone, yeah. And they mention on the commentary that all of this slow-mo stuff that we see right after, Abed stands up in victory and puts his arms up. Troy is just wincing in pain. And, like, his hand, like, slowly goes down. (laughs) You see how, like, broken and fragile his hand is. All of this stuff they said that they didn't shoot it and put it in slow-mo at all. They just, like, acted it in slow-mo. And you're if you pay kidding. attention when you're watching it, you can totally tell. It's pretty funny. That's funny. It's not until next season, but it reminds me of the, I believe it's the KFC Rocket episode when everyone's walking in slow-mo 
up towards the shuttle and Abed's or someone says, can we stop walking in slow-mo now? Yeah. And Pierce is like, you're walking in slow-mo? <laughs> so Abed won yet another thing. Troy has a really funny line with the... You broke my head, you bastard. He just says you it bastard. so small and dejectedly. <laughs> now we cut back to the girls who are on their mission to see a fake Wang, which... All of this could have been just solved by a Google search. Uh, you're correct. I guess maybe Annie wanted to like practice, but that could have just been solved by walking down the hallway and finding somebody. <laughs> For real. I feel like they have at least a few people that could have volunteered. Yeah. So for whatever reason, just for this scene to work, the room that the naked thing is in is under padlock and key, and also the doorknob isn't there, so you can look through it like a hole. Just it's a really interesting setup there. Yeah. And Annie's got these, like, stealth black gloves on. It's very funny <laughs> that they're trying to take it seriously. Uh, you know, Britta's trying to pick the lock, but then they notice the hole, and Shirley and Britta are both like, oh, let me look, let me look, and they gasp, and they're, like, really silly about it. We get a close-up of a mannequin's butt. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I have a ton to say about the scene. It Here in a second, they're going to call it reverse porkies, showing that this is a, a turn on the classic, you know, like, the awful trope of, like, locker room yeah. boys having a hole to see the women through the in their locker room. So it's kind of funny to see them do a turn on that a little bit. Well, and it, it's it's... I like the the flip that they do on it, doing the reverse porkies, but it's funny how much that scene, you know, is in media. I was actually just reading. Oh, here we go. Get ready. I was reading a manga from a, a pretty popular anime show, and in it, they even do like a trope like that, where like there's like, oh, let's try and look through to the girl's side, ha ha ha, and you know, that whole thing. So it's 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 worldwide. It's that's like an Stuff influential. Stuff like that's not good. Terrible because... scene. I definitely saw stuff like that when I was a kid. And oh, yeah. I'm positive it would have affected the way that I thought of women. Well, how many shows, like, even, like, forget just looking through a hole in the wall, how many shows when we were kids had the one where, like, the guy was in the women's locker room, then they would start coming in, so he'd hide in the locker, and then he was mm-hmm. stuck in a locker with all the yeah. girls in there? How many shows did that one? You know? Not to say that all of the awful things that have been normalized for boys and men to think and expect out of women i do think a lot of it is to be blamed on the stuff that we see when we're so young when we're seeing like movies and tv shows that do stuff like that especially for people like us that are so pop culture centered yeah it it like it 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 adds to that like the woman being like something to be desired well it's like you said when you when we were kids jeff was the cool guy it's like okay this Mm. is the main character of the show this is the cool person who i want to be and I do like that this show does more thoughtful stuff than a lot of those shows to to say that, you know, Jeff isn't that much farther from Pierce than what he thinks he is. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, that Annie, when she, like, leans through the hole and, like, sees the fake penis for the first time, Allison Bree's acting is so funny when she's like, Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, I had it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> And one of the funniest jokes of the whole episode is when she's like, is that considered large? And at the same time, Britta's like, yes. And Shirley's like, no. Shirley's like, no. (laughs) The look that they have at each other after that is hilarious. You can tell that they both just questioned everything. (laughs) 
<laughs> and then we get the they get caught by the security guard police officer played by Craig Kakowski, brother of Liz Kakowski, and he and some other like young kid that walks in with them for some reason in a in a yeah. uniform. It's like what in the Side reverse porkies is going on here? Which is pretty funny. And Shirley just like nods yes. It's like you <laughs> She's pretty like, much right. figured out exactly what's going on here. <laughs> Cut back to the double date at the STD fair and basically Pierce is showing off how like smart and and classy Doreen is. You know, uh it's funny when Pierce is like, Honey, say Cabernet Saviga na 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 that makes me laugh every time and it's not because of the Cabernet, but it's because of the Saviga na 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 you know, to communities who asked if this was the favorite Pierce-Jeff thing, I think what I like more in this episode than Pierce and Jeff is this little bit of connection we're going to see in this scene between Jeff and Doreen. Okay, so I have a thought about that that may not be the popular opinion, Zach. Okay. Do you yeah. want to get into it now, or do we want to get a little deeper in the scene? We can get a little deeper first, because it comes okay. up a little more. I'll get as deep as you want. Hey, yo. Uh, that's when Doreen has the line that I don't think is quite as funny talking about having a client who was into S&M and Merlot. So they had S&M and M. Meh. Yeah. It's kind of a two and a half men type joke. That was a very two and a half men type joke. Men. That's, I don't know if I made this reference earlier. That's kind of exact. I, I don't know. I think I did say this. That's exactly what I think of the Sabrina character. It's totally the type of female say that, sexual prospect character, yeah, that would show up on like Two and a Half Men or How I Met Your Mother or something. Not she community. is a hundred percent the type of girl that Charlie Sheen would have dated on that show. Like the trope in that show of like the crazy girl who was obsessed with Charlie. Like that's pretty mm-hmm. problematic to see that as a kid too. Of like, oh, this girl must be crazy. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Anyway, as soon as Doreen starts saying the stuff that Pierce told her to say. He's like, honey, you're boring the crap out of Jeff. When, when Jeff doesn't do anything, Pierce is like, oh, shit, she's she's the the cool one now. Oh, no. And that's when Sabrina gets up and she says, be right back. I have to make tinkles. <sighs> and that's one of the worst lines of my issues with this character. I don't know. Uh, I think that if you're Jeff Winger and you hear that, you gotta you got to call it right there. Right? Yeah. Like, if you yeah. were on a date with a girl and she said, oh, oh, I have to go make tinkles, I think that's when I'm like, oh, I think she's too young for me. Yikes. Yeah. Yikers. <laughs> that... yeah. Yikers is right. <laughs> y- Yikers was the most accurate statement used throughout this whole episode. It's fantastic. Yikers. And for whatever reason, as soon as Sabrina leaves, Pierce is like, okay, well, I'm going to go get us another round and goes to get a drink, leaving Jeff and Doreen alone. And Jeff is able to voice that Doreen is classy and nice and smart and different than he would expect an escort to be like. She makes the funny joke where he's like, you know, no go-go boots and what you say they're in the the shop. shop. Yeah, Yeah. that was funny. Yeah, this great actress who I'm a big fan of. What the hell is her? (laughs) Sharon? (laughs) Yeah, she does a great job in this episode. Uh, Brings a lot of class to the part. My personal hero here, I think that, you know, Susan Sarandon really holds it really down. Really shined. Really shined. I love, I don't know, okay, I was almost going to say this earlier. For Community being a show that likes to do stuff like this where it's like, oh, she's an escort, but she's a real person and she is smart and there's layers to her. And also a show that, you know, did the 
football feminism episode where the show likes to say that they're forward thinking and progressive. Yeah. At this point of the show, they're still not quite sure what to do with the women characters and it shows. Yeah. They're it's like, cl- we have this character and we want to make her more than just this, but we don't know how to do that. But we're telling you that we want to do more with it, we, but, but we don't know how yet. Or just the classic, like we mentioned before, how on It's Always Sunny, Caitlin Olsen had to tell them to make D weird. That yeah. they're not quite as easily able to make Britta, Shirley, and Annie the weirdo characters like how Troy can be. Or like how Pierce mm-hmm. is. You know what I mean? They're, I don't know. It seems like the woman character in sitcoms are always like the straight man trope. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's not... And the show gets a lot better at that as it goes on. Maybe some of this is just 2009 showing through in the show. But yeah, the show is so much funnier and is way more progressive than it thinks it's being when they just let their women be weird like everybody else. Yeah, the weird Britta stuff is some of my favorite in the show. So You're going to love season six then. See, and so I'm realizing, you know, I've seen more of season six than I remembered. I still have not seen the finale, but I've seen okay. a lot of season six. Because when Keith David was going to be on the Darkest Timeline podcast, I was looking through the episodes, and I was like, I've seen a lot of these. Interesting. Well, season Mm -hmm. six is good, and doesn't get its attention, and it's really different. Yeah. I'm excited to watch when we do. The series finale is great. I'm I'm really excited, because I've never seen it. But, back to... Back to not two years from now. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Doreen is talking about her job, and says, you know, like, contrary to what you would think... She spends most of her time with her clients talking because it's men like Pierce who are lonely and want someone to go out with them for drinks. And I'm sure a lot of times the money is exchanged and it ends in sexual acts, but most of it is is companionship and wanting to feel close to somebody, which is sad and relatable. Yeah, I think being in a bigger city, I think it's a lot more commonplace, at least, because I work downtown that a lot of times I'll see maybe some couples well you work downtown as an escort well yeah and so most of my clients you know uh most of what i see is you know someone who's more like pierce an older guy out to dinner at a very nice place with somebody who you know they're enjoying their time with but a lot of a lot of times it is someone like pierce who's older and has money and i've seen situations like this i deliver food for doordash for a living i don't think i've ever mentioned that um it's it it is what it is but i've delivered food to a hotel and it was like an older business looking man and like a really young really glamorous looking young woman who i couldn't help but think that that was probably what was going down Mm-hmm. but yeah it, it, it's a it's a loneliness thing 100 percent. yeah so jeff and doreen are still talking doreen says you know as men get older they want to spend time with someone they can have a real conversation with and Jeff says, well, that's going to suck because I'm just a young, hip kid who just wants ass. <laughs> yeah. But Doreen turns it back around on him and is like, going to suck? Look at this girl that you're with who clearly is not someone that you are instantly hitting it off with and not someone yeah. who anything meaningful is going to transpire between the two of you. And... I don't know. Jeff is just really shallow, and he says, Trust me, I know girls I can converse with who are way more annoying. I will take tinkles over we need to talk every time. I hate that Which is a really douchey line. I hate that Such a douchey thing to say. Yeah. But I don't know. I think it's 
indicative more of like just a lack of emotional growth or maybe a, a show of trauma in Jeff's life. I don't think this is so much something douchey that he's saying and more something that he truly believes mm. and that he doesn't see it. And yeah. this is a little bit more thoughtful than just seeing him flip through his phone and be like, oh, yeah, hot girl who I banged, you know? Yeah. It, we're seeing a little bit kind of where this is coming from. I don't know. Here are my thoughts on this. Because yeah. I don't disagree with anything she's saying to Jeff. The issue that I have with it, and this is it's because it's a TV show, right? But, like, who is she to be coming at, you know... A spe- more so less what she's saying about Jeff, because Jeff is a grown-ass man who right. is, you know, closer to 40 than to, to, to 30. Yes. Uh, and is clearly, you know, acting up. But I feel like she kind of belittles the, the girl a little bit. Now, it's clear this character of the uh, Serena, Sab- Sabrina, Sar- whatever it is, she, <laughs> she's, like, not made out to be the deepest, most, you know, fleshed-out character. But I feel like she says some kind of mean things about her. Meanwhile, like, you're here on a date with Pierce. You know, it's not like you're with that much That's of a true. prize either, That's you true. know? And I think that for a stranger who you've never met to come at somebody in this sort of way, and I mean, I know she's older and all that, but I don't know. It kind of rubbed me a little bit the wrong way, but I don't disagree with what she's saying. I, I don't like that she's like, you can do better, Jeff. But maybe it's, you know, Sabrina could be doing better. She's, you know... <laughs> Well, Sabrina absolutely could be doing better because I'm sure, I don't know, you know, Jeff isn't going to be anything to her either. Yeah. I don't know. The show, you're right, it goes pretty quickly into all of a sudden Jeff and Doreen are like talking to each other like they've been talking to each other for a while when they've only known each other for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. But, but it's a I TV don't know. show. Yeah, it's a TV show. And I think Doreen can see that Jeff is going down the sad path that so many of the people that she gets her money from are going down. And mm. can see that he's intelligent enough to know better, or intel, or could be intelligent enough to know better. I don't know. Uh, Sabrina comes back and says, "Let's go to your Lexus. Let me see that Lexus you've been talking about." And Jeff's like, "I thought you'd never ask." And that's when <laughs> Jeff shakes Doreen's hand and says, "It was very nice to meet you." And Doreen says, "You can do better." Yeah. And Jeff just smiles at her and knows that what she's saying might be true and you can do better doesn't necessarily have to mean anything wrong with the other person i suppose no it's just you can do better meaning like it's so clear that there's no emotional connection there Mm -hmm. but i guess who is she to say i i see where you're coming from but i think in an episode that left a little bit to be desired these moments worked for me more than some of the others i gotcha I think that she definitely does, like, a great job in her performance. Yeah, she brings a lot of class to the role and doesn't ham up the escort nature of the character at all, which is great. No. Pierce comes back to to Doreen and spills her entire drink, like, while he's trying to bring it to her. It's like, oh, there you go, here's your drink. And he's instantly disappointed that Jeff left and mentions, you know, hey, before I spend money on dinner or before I buy dinner, is there any lovemaking on the table? And this is showing Doreen. Like you say, hey, Doreen's with Pierce. Who, do, who does she have anything to say? This is when she's like, I need to take my own advice. Mm-hmm. And obviously Pierce is not someone I can have anything serious with. He's one of those clients. Totally. And I really like the delivery of Doreen saying, We're through, Pierce. I'm going to go to the bar, and uh, you can join me if you'd like, and we can still have a lovely evening, but it will cost you 200 bucks. I really yeah. like that line and the way that she 
ends things with Pierce. Yeah, absolutely. And because Pierce, I mean, he brought her an empty drink and was rude and was like, hey, uh, before I actually treat this like a date, am I going to get to sleep with you? <laughs> it's really awkward after she leaves. There's like another person sitting nearby that Pierce feels the need to like explain himself to her. And he's like, that yeah. is a pretty big discount. <laughs> oh, so, so awkward. Nobody cares, old man. Tough out here. And now we cut to a pretty funny turn. The music is changed. The camera work is a little bit different. It's getting a little bit later. Everyone's getting a little bit drunk. And everyone's starting to grind. And everyone wants to bang. <laughs> and there's some really NBC-friendly depictions of people getting hot and heavy for each other. Uh, oh, someone's yeah. like... Someone's feeding someone a cherry. Another person is like lightly touching someone's thigh. It's it's very Ooh. tame. I Don't love. Forget we've got the two people in a chair together canoodling. That's I love know. the dean's line. Like I had no idea alcohol would make people horny. <laughs> Makes me sleepy. <laughs> That's one of my favorite dean lines. It's a good one. And I can kind of relate to that. Alcohol does tend to make me sleepy. Depends <laughs> <laughs> depends on what I'm drinking. <laughs> which which yeah. way that that boat sways. Follow that up with another funny line when Officer Kikowski comes up and says, we have a 597 currently going on in your office. And the dean <laughs> freaks out because for whatever reason, he knows all the police codes and says, there's a dog fighting ring in my office. Yeah. <laughs> and rushes out to see what's going on. That line's pretty funny. Now we cut to the dean's office and the dean and Britta, Shirley, Annie, the officer. Liz Kikowski, this is where we see the writer. She plays, I think the name given is Gail. Mm-hmm. And they're all confronting the women over what's just happened, how they broke into his office to look at the penis of this mannequin. This scene is funny, but a little bit clunky if you think too hard about it. Yeah, a little side thing, a 597... Um says is actually the actual code that it is is animal cruelty so the dean was closer to correct than the officer that's funny and it's not surprising that the writers would be smart like that and write right? that in mm-hmm. but yeah like you said this this scene is kind of clunky it's like because like do you think the dean in the middle of this party really got like the person to type up the conversation they're having the lady to come talk them all through the, yeah like the sexual nature of the issue and I don't know. I don't think it's really that serious what the women were well, doing. It would they just didn't be like break awkward. into anywhere. Yeah. They were just looking through a locked door. Yeah. But anyway, as soon as someone starts to say penis, the dean gets really awkward and <laughs> says, okay, the P word has entered into play. And it's immediately telling that the dean has just as many issues with this type of thing as Annie does for yeah. different, deeper reasons. And that's why he wanted Gail, the school counselor, played by Liz Kikowski, who wrote Social Psychology and next week's Great Comparative Religion. Um, And an old lady named Monique, who's just there typing down everything so they can discuss these (laughs) sensitive topics in a legally appropriate manner. That makes sense of the dean, that he'd be so worried that anything with any type of sexual edge needs to be heavily monitored. Oh, totally. I think Liz Kikowski does a really great job in her little bit here. When Mm -hmm. she's talking, I think she brings a lot of energy to this little speech that she gets to say, you know, I think we should all say it to be comfortable. And you know what, Stephen, you and I and everyone listening, I think could get a lot of good out of taking a moment to do the same. Okay, let's do it on the count of three. Okay. Okay. One, two, three. Penis. 
She didn't say it. What? Everyone says it except for Annie and the the, the officer like points at her. He's like, she didn't say it. <laughs> and they're asking her now, why did you break in to see the penis? And it's all making Annie very uncomfortable how everyone is talking about something that she's very uncomfortable about. And all she wanted was to see it on her own and not feel uncomfortable about it. You know, Gail says how she just wants to focus on the girl who won't say penis. And this is when Annie kind of loses it in this episode and snaps back on everyone because people are, this is weird how everyone's like really upset about how she won't say it. I don't know. This is awkward. Do you know what I'm talking I about? I feel like they're too old to be like, I don't know. I I don't think it's as big a deal as they're making it. It's Annie. not. Like, it's it's kind of weird not. that an adult wouldn't say the word, but also why does she have to? Yeah, this is just a TV show sitcom thing, but if you think about it at all, yeah, leave Annie be. If she doesn't want to do the thing, don't make her do the thing. You know, Mm -hmm. Gail says this is a judgment-free zone, so express yourself. And Annie finally says her piece, which mostly is good, where she's like, you know what? I don't want to express myself, and I am comfortable in being uncomfortable, and I don't want to be pushed into anything. And she likes how she is. And I think that's good that she steps up and kind of sets everyone straight a little bit. I and do her too. friends all totally have her back. It's not super often that I feel like Annie, uh, at least to this point, has has taken a stand and meant it and kind of actually, you know. Stood up for herself. Yeah. And this is one of those times. So I like that. I also really like that I'm just now thinking about how different of characters Shirley and Britta are. And how they're, they're, I don't know, them being the people backing up Annie on this, other than being the other female members of the study group, they're people with different experience and with different opinions and beliefs when it comes to what's okay and what's not okay sexually, I'm sure, with with Shirley being very religious and Britta being a little bit more free-spirited. And they're both mm-hmm. there. And then Annie, who's also kind of repressed, but they're all very supportive of each other, which I think is great. Uh, yeah, Annie gets to I, end her little speech with that. And, you know, if more people were like me, maybe we wouldn't have to have an STD fair. <laughs> it's absolutely true. Do you think this episode's trying to push, like, a message with um, Annie's I don't think so. I think or is it that, just a general, like, respecting people's boundaries? I think it's it's more so a general people's boundaries thing. Because I think it doesn't necessarily, at any point, look down upon having sex and it's not even that annie is against having sex she just doesn't want to say the word penis i guess also it's really weird they're going to do the demonstration on an actual looking penis you could have gotten it done on a cucumber and called it a day also this whole plot line of the demonstration and then we don't actually see the demonstration happen Mm -mm. it's kind of something that's just dropped Annie does get one more funny line when she's like, I don't see what all the fuss was about. A giant thumb and a turtleneck. Whoop-dee-doo. Pretty <laughs> Which funny. Which is a funny joke. And also creates, like, instant imagery. <laughs> yes. And, and you're, you're like, like oh. yeah, that's kind of what it is. A little. And you're like, oh, a all little. right. I'll take it, you know. Now we cut to Jess Lexus. Uh, this is when crazy old guy texts him, what base, wingman? Probably, <laughs> like, five minutes after they left the, left the area. And Pierce is sitting all sad that Doreen left, you know. And it's a really awkward makeout scene. I hate watching the show do stuff like this because it's better than this. Just like yeah. the makeout scenes. I don't know. It just makes me uncomfortable. See, I It's almost like the good place a little bit where I see these characters as just like asexual beings kind of. And seeing see, them be anything now whereas, else is weird. 
Whereas on this show, I'm fine with none of them ever succeeding in a relationship. The Good Place, I ship people on that show hard as hell. Uh, That's a conversation for another day. Some of the relationship stuff on The Good Place is good, but I like that show way more when the characters are just like chess pieces in the bureaucracy of the afterlife rather than really focusing on like their lives. That's true. I like it better when it's like a game of chess. There, it's done now. Did you finish it? Oh, then I must have the last season to finish then. Probably. You Are there five seasons of it? Four. Oh, shoot. Maybe I haven't seen all of season four then. It ends really well. It had a great ending. I think the first two seasons of The Good Place are phenomenal and then three the end of the first season and beginning of the second season are outrageously good i think the end of the first season and pretty much the entirety of the second season is outrageously good like every episode was like how are they going to keep raising the stakes every (laughs) single episode and they do and get away with it every time i remember you and i like every week would be like talking to each other like oh my god i can't believe they are doing this but because of that they reached a point where it was still good but it kind of plateaued yeah anyway Jeff and What's-Her-Face are making out in his car, and it's really awkward dialogue of like, oh, you have such a good body, I bet you get that all the time, and Jeff's like, not as much as I should, it's just really awkward sitcom, fake kissing and flirting, and the windows are all fogged up, but the glass shatters pretty quickly when she calls him professor. <laughs> that would be... It, it, not a yeah i didn't like like that that. all of a sudden now we see this whole time that sabrina the sec well she's a secretary not a student Mm -hmm. but we see this whole time she thinks she's been hooking up with a professor instead of a student and that makes jeff feel like teeny tiny of a man (laughs) and it's also almost even funnier knowing that down the line jeff does become a professor at the school yeah he does (laughs) So I mean, really, she was just ahead of ahead of the curve. That's that, that's true, that's true. Um, so this is when we get that yikers exchange, <laughs> which that like, did make me laugh because she was like yikers, and he was like, yeah, yikers. <laughs> and then it's even more awkward. There's a lot of awkward conversation this week, buddy. It's even more awkward when Sabrina's like, "Well, I guess I can make an exception, professor." And then, and then after some really awful to watch shots of them kissing while Joel McHale's eyes are wide open. Yeah. Ooh. He's like, you know what? I can't do this. And he leaves the car. The funniest thing about this interaction is he leaves and she's like, but this is your car. And he's like, keep it. Which is, he's always given away his stuff to avoid awkward situations. And I think it's funny. Yeah, he's given this car away several times now, which all of a sudden makes me miss Professor Duncan, who we haven't seen in a while. Now we cut to Troy and Abed finishing up a race, and I learned while doing some research about this episode that Danny Pudi is actually a marathon runner. I would believe it. He has the the build. Doesn't surprise me. He's tall. He's got long legs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's do a race, Zach. Let's let's for like the season finale. We're gonna do a, a series of feats of strength of different challenges. We're going to do different things. Okay, you work on that and let me know what you come up with. Okay. Okay. Abed very clearly lets Troy win, and Troy is so dramatic in his, like, how do you like those apples? And I love when he's, I don't know, he's so tired, but he's so proud of himself, and I love when he just yells out, Troy! (laughs) I liked Abed's, I do not like those apples. 
<laughs> Meanwhile, cut back to the dean who walks back into the party and Chang calls him out and says, wow, this may be the only STD fair to actually spread STDs. <laughs> the one line Chang gets this whole episode. Uh, dean calls him Ben. I think that's the first time we hear that his first name is actually Ben. Is that the first time? I don't time? think they've said it before. I don't think so. Wow. People start throwing the condoms full of beer as water balloons. Which also, and yikes. Yeah, Don't that is pretty. Beer. That's terrible. That is pretty yikers. I love the how Chang thinks it's hilarious. He's all on board. He's like, "This is awesome." And as they fill up the beer, we see Eric Wisniewski again, the red-haired extra student who shows up every so often. Yeah. And the the beer is leaking from the condoms. There's holes in them. The condoms they've been passing out to everybody are tainted. <laughs> I have a, and, a fun condom story, Zach. Okay. So don't worry, it's it's family friendly. Um, okay. <laughs> now, eighth grade is a story that I'll share. Uh, it was algebra class, and we had a substitute teacher. And someone in the class pulled out a condom and was like, hey, we're going to do something really funny. We're going to blow this up like a balloon. And so me being an eighth grade boy, I was like, ha-ha, sounds like fun. I'm in. And so the whole class was like, all right, we're going to do this, all the guys. So we blew it up. Well, I did not blow it up. Someone blew it up, tied it, um, and then we just batted it around like a volleyball. But then the substitute teacher noticed and was like, hey, pop that balloon. So someone's like, oh, no problem, sir, and then popped it, threw it away. But then the next day, our real teacher was back, and he was less than amused, and we all had to write, like, sentences or something. I remember a similar situation. I went to a private Christian school, and I remember in middle school, someone, like, teachers found a condom, like, in the trash. I don't think it was used or anything, or it was on the floor or something, and they gathered every student in the school (laughs) to gather us around and tell us how, one, it was wrong and two we were never allowed to talk about it ever again (laughs) oh my goodness problematic childhood (laughs) well they actually like suspended people from that school for doing things doing anything if you found out people got drunk over the summer if you if someone said someone had sex that person would get in trouble yeah it's crazy girls found out they were pregnant they were told either to hide it or leave the school. Oh my god. Anyway. Awful. Chang <laughs> is just all about it. He gets one other line says, everyone's getting preggers and it's all your fault. And the dean is just destroyed by this. He was trying so hard. And so many people got drunk and horny at this party and took all these free condoms. <laughs> uh, it's really funny. The dean rushes out as fast as he can. And he's looking around for the best athlete on campus. Which all of a sudden flawlessly ties together the Troy and Abed storyline into the STD party storyline. And the Dean is so rushed. And he's like, the condoms are all faulty. As the best athlete on campus, I need you to run to my office and (laughs) tell everyone not to use them over the announcements. And I love that this allows for Troy and Abed to have that moment in their friendship where Troy like finally lets it go a little bit and says that he's not the best athlete on campus and that Abed can run faster but they take so much time to have this moment, like at a hectic moment for the Dean. I know you let me win the race. But you didn't say anything. That's because I wanted it to be true. You're a really good friend. No, Abed. 
then waits for like 12 Mississippis. <laughs> you are. For the love the of d- God, run. <laughs> yeah, this is a very funny Dean episode. I don't think I can put it as a favorite because we're still – there's so much more underneath the surface of the Dean coming in later episodes. But yeah. every time Jim Rash is given anything, he eats it up. Abed takes off like the wind. So, sorry, I can hear my cat. What are you doing? She got stuck to something. Abed runs like the wind to stop people before they sex one another, as Troy eloquently puts it. <laughs> and I love the shot of Abed running. It's such an Abed run. I don't know. It's very, it really is such very an Abed funny. run. Now we cut back to the inside where Jeff sits next to Pierce, and now they're going to get to have their heart-to-heart a little bit and bring in the emotional side of their storyline. I think when people say this is a good Jeff and Pierce episode, this is mainly what they think of. Jeff pretty much says, I don't know, this girl was hot, but I couldn't do it. I think it's Greendale. And Pierce says, no, it's you. You're becoming more mature. And I mean, a man reaches a point in his life where he stops looking for a place to hang his underwear and starts looking for a place to hang his hat. Oh, I'm sorry. I was waiting for that to become inappropriate or racist. Which is something that's such a well-written line that sounds like it's going to be the type of thing that Pierce normally says. But instead, he says something in quotation marks smart. And then it doesn't last long, just how the show likes to squeeze our heart and then tell us that it didn't care the whole time. (laughs) You know, uh, Jeff's like, where's Doreen? And Pierce is like, oh, yeah, she said if I wanted to continue, I'd have to pay. (laughs) (laughs) I got... I gotta make my cat stop doing this. I'm sorry. Ooh, kinky. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by ExpressVPN.com. It's your information. Don't let your internet provider get in on your business. ExpressVPN. (laughs) Go to ExpressVPN.com slash you can't disappoint podcast. That's not real, but please sponsor us. Our our emails are open. (laughs) Um You know (laughs) We'd like to thank our sponsor this week, Laughing Clown Malt Liquor. We'd like to thank our sponsor this week, Joel McHale. Um, <laughs> thank you for coming on this episode where we've talked about penises and mommy <laughs> and peach f***ing. Thanks, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Pierce talks about how Doreen's a special lady and he didn't treat her right. And he's showing that some of the stuff that he does that is bad, he can see it. And he's sad about it. And it's not intentional sometimes. And he admits that he has stuff to work on. And Jeff, you know, says something nice to him and says, you'll get there. Even though he's very late in life to get there, he still has a chance, just like Jeff does, even if he's pretty late in life to be getting there on these similar issues. Uh, They share a nice moment of, you know, we're both going to get there, and here's to being better men. And it is a really sweet moment and a mature moment between two men who 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 are struggling. It is. It was kind of a maturing moment for both of them. Which it's a little, you know, less than uh, um, comforting that they're both at the same maturity level, which neither yeah. of which is probably at the where they should be for their age. But you know, they they undercut it immediately. Where where Pierce is like, "Can I borrow two hundred dollars?" And Jeff is just like, "Tell Doreen I said hi." <laughs> and Lily pointed out, "Why does Jeff just have two hundred and fifty dollars in his wallet?" That's a good question. And probably maybe the motel that he's currently living at only takes cash. That's a good point. Uh, <laughs> Pierce says, "You know, <clears throat> for two twenty, I can get." I'll the... give you two fifty if you don't finish telling me. 
I can get it twice. <laughs> Which, gross, but funny line. I know, that made me laugh, but gross. Pierce ends it with another line that makes Jeff think about where he is in life when he says, college, the best years of our life, huh? <laughs> and then he trips over the chair as he walks over to Doreen, hands her money, and you can see Doreen just flawlessly go into, okay, we're back on a date again. Right? Consummate professional. And Jeff goes to his phone and seeks out Britta and changes her name from hot blonde Spanish class to Britta because Jeff is an adult now and he learned his lesson. And this is a very small victory, but he got something out of it at least. This is when... As Jeff has that moment, we hear Abed's great announcement <laughs> over the PA where he finally gets to it but says the total wrong thing. Attention Greendale students, don't use the condoms. If you're going to have sex tonight, don't use condoms. And don't worry, Abed, I won't. <laughs> You've mentioned before about like how big of a campus is Greendale actually supposed to be? Yeah. Because it took Abed quite a while to run to where he can make the announcement. When and he's a fast fella. Yeah, I didn't think Greendale was that large. No, was, I would love a virtual tour of Greendale. I have a dream in my heart of hearts that while we do this podcast, the movie will be announced. And because some of the cast members like to help out our podcast and all the podcasts, maybe there would be a chance some of us would have an opportunity to visit. I think that would be amazing. And I think maybe with some of the friends that we've made, it could be not out of the realm of possibility if the timing happens, but that's just a a, a daydream in my head. But hey, a couple weeks ago, we were daydreaming about what if we got to talk to Joel McHale and And look at us now. Yeah. Who'd have thought? Maybe look, one day you'll us. get to. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. <laughs> so that's the end of the episode before the end tag. And something I want to mention right off the top of the end tag is I tweeted about this right before we started recording the episode. You can hear them call action. I was going to ask when this was because I was curious. Really quietly, you know, the it opens with Abed like sitting over Troy to read him this to read him a life science textbook to put him to sleep. <laughs> And you can hear really quietly someone call action right before he starts reading. And it's not like it would have been any harder just to make it a couple frames later. They must not have noticed it. And I've never noticed it. And, like, the community wiki that usually lists errors didn't mention it. And I watched it a couple times like, oh, they said action. So to everyone, go back and look at this episode. The end tag at the very beginning, can you hear them say action? Do you think I'm wrong? Am I hearing something else? Go check it out. It's interesting. Yeah, let us know. And if he is wrong, please uh, let us know every possible way in the most violent and aggressive manner. Yes, well, because of the Joel McHale interview, now you know what city I live in. It's true. If you need his address, just DM me. I gotcha. Not a lot to say about this end tag other than Abed really cutely talks Troy to sleep. Yeah, I mean, it's not the best one. It's not the funniest, but it's, it's cute. Troy's tuckered out from a day of losing to Abed. Yeah. And I was almost expecting, like, the rug to be pulled, and this was just, like, something they were playing. But Uh it really is just as simple as Abed puts Troy to sleep, puts his jacket over him like a blanket, and Troy asks him to get him a glass of water. Donald Glover did mention on the commentary that it was really important to the writers that he said glass of water because I guess he kept saying, can you get me some water? And the writers were all like, no, it's way funnier if you say glass of water. 
because it sounds like, you know, like a little kid asking their yeah. mom for a glass of water. Abed? Yeah, Troy? Can you get me a glass of water? Hmm. Sure. Thank you, Abed. Donald has such a great way of saying lines like that when he's like, can you get me a glass of water? It's, he, he really does. Really <laughs> yeah. So cute and wholesome after Big Bad Troy had a hard day of trying to win stuff. Yeah, you're so right. <laughs> and that's where the episode ends. You know, having talked through this episode, there are some things I like about it. There's some subtleties and some character beats, especially that ending with Jeff and Pierce that are pretty good. It's but nice. I still pretty firmly say that this is middle of the run based on what we've watched so far. Yeah, I think we're, we're in like a, just such a strong <laughs> section, you know. Next week's episode is absolutely one of my favorite episodes of all six seasons it'll it's definitely so be my good. favorite episode we've covered yet i just I, I watch it every christmas and i never get sick of it i love it yeah i like it started to play today and it was really hard for me not to watch it <laughs> i was so like good. ooh, yeah and now that we're watching this one episode a week at a time i'm not used to not being able to just binge this show when i want to watch it mm-hmm. so every time i sit down to watch it it's such a nice positive little burst of like oh man i love this show yeah, it is. And I'm not watching a whole lot of shows right now with uh, not animated people in them. So it's definitely a change of pace for me that I'm enjoying. Well, let's wrap this up. We got through this episode. Let us know what you think about it. Uh, are we wrong? Do you think this episode's one of the best so far? Why? Tell us if you do. You know what? You guys tell us who your MVPs were this week. I would love to hear stuff like that. Yeah, I feel like uh, this week it's it's probably pretty far spread across the board for people. I've had a lot of trouble figuring out who my MVP is this week because I don't think anybody super stands out. No. Um, I think some characters are at their worst in this episode, and I think other characters are just kind of there this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, part of me wants to give it to Annie, but she does a few things that I think are not the best. Part yeah. of me wants to give it to the Dean, but I think it's just kind of a consolation prize because I couldn't mm-hmm. think of somebody else to give it to the Dean. So because of that, I'm going to go out on a limb and give it to the person and character that stood out most for me in this episode, and I'm going to give it to Doreen. Nice. Um, the great, uh, fuck, what is her name? Sharon, Os- Sharon Osborne. She was great in this episode. Yeah, you know, I think that... As good as it was to see, you know, Shirley Temple all grown up and acting in this uh, episode, uh, and I think she really did do a, a great job, uh, like you were saying. I had a little trouble figuring out who to quite give it to. I, you know, thought maybe Abed, thought maybe the Dean, but I actually am going to land with Annie, because I think that Annie, you know, like you said, it wasn't perfect this episode. There were some things where I was like, all right, you know, eh. But I think for the most part, she was who I liked the most this episode. I liked that she, you know, took a stand for herself. I thought that there was some pretty funny stuff with her and the Dean and the whole, you know, STD festival in the first place. So Annie gets my MVP this week. That's something I kind of dabbled with too. I don't disagree with you. I remember thinking that in these early episodes, Britta was the character who was more strongly developed, but it hasn't been. It's been Annie. No, yeah. Um, Britta got a lot of those first couple episodes, but ever since... The advanced criminal law where she cheated, she hasn't really had anything major. No, and and I feel like we don't really get a whole lot until we get closer to paintball. Yeah. Well, that about wraps it up this week. Uh, I want to give a real quick thanks to uh, Looped Live and OMG VIP. They're the people who hosted the Darkest Timeline Live event that gave me the amazing opportunity to speak with Joel McHale. So thanks for existing. Thanks, Joel, for being so cool and being so willing to give us a little something to add on the show. And we 
look very forward to hopefully that not being the only time we get to talk to him. Yeah, and thanks, Ken, for shouting us out with the other podcasts on the Darkest yeah. Timeline podcast. Yeah, and one night, Ken Jong and Joel McHale both said the name of our podcast out loud. And, and one of those times was within earshot of Allison Bree. So yeah, yeah, and you know we that we struggled coming up with a name for this podcast, and I've come to really like what we decided with. I and like what boy, we landed does it on. Sound too. good when they say it. It's good. I'll never know what our social media is, but I really am proud of us. <laughs> That's okay. I'm proud of you for trying, buddy. Thanks. Make sure you like us and subscribe. And uh, like us on Facebook at You Can't Disappoint a Podcast. <laughs> you know that one. I do know really, that one. you can find us anywhere if you just look up the title of our show. But specifically, uh, Instagram is Can't Disappoint Podcast. Twitter is You Can't Disappod. And you can email us anything. Your trivia questions for comparative religion next week without the answer. Or just anything you want to converse with us on the show. We really appreciate you for listening and for getting involved. And yeah, we've gotten to do so many things over the last 11 weeks that I did not expect to get to do in the entirety of this podcast. So yeah. I'm so looking forward to seeing where it's going to go from here. Yeah, I really think that this is a great place to call it. You know, we've we've made it. It's been really fun doing this with you, Zach. Thanks, guys, for you know listening to what you did. It's a real shame we're not going to get to continue. Um, but, you know, it's been fun. Yeah, I think it's time for us to split up for some hoo-ha, and we'll meet up in the morning for eggs and details. I would want nothing more. Thanks again, communities and Danny, for sending in your questions. Uh, You were successful in stumping us for a couple of them, so good job. It won't happen again, but please try. No, it won't. Yeah, do your best. From inside the Dreamatorium, this is Zach. And I'm a plate of eggs Benedict that goes by Steven. (laughs) We hope you guys have a great week, and... Thank you for letting us be a part of it. We'll see you next time. See you guys. Bye. Goodbye. So if you're lonely, why did you say you're not lonely? Oh, you silly girl. I know. I heard. And so it's just right here to come and go. And only, no, you don't even know me. You're so sweet to try. Here goes. Hey, it's me. Joel McGale. <laughs> I was in Ted. <laughs> you, you guys see the soup?